Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. This is our very, very, very first live streamed main episode. Yes, I'm excited. I am too. Hopefully this works out well. Hopefully, I mean, we've kind of been, had a lot of moving parts to get this thing going for yeah. you this week. Um, we, as, as you might notice, we are set up in our new digs yeah we got the the whole thing going yeah i uh, even have background i'm not all black in the I, back i know you're not you're not all black anymore um <laughs> uh, we got this new setup going this is actually the room we started out in yeah. and then like a couple weeks later it flooded out and we had all kinds of issues yeah. with that so um I, and i i've taken to calling this the bell tower bell tower even though we're in the basement <laughs> people don't need to know that okay so this is the bell tower <laughs> we're not in the basement this is the bell tower yes that is our our um, headquarters it's now for the Break the Bell podcast. Um, like I said, this is our first and um, ever live stream main episode. We have live yeah. streamed some bonus stuff and some like we. I think we did some debate coverage. Yeah, and yeah, we some, did some election coverage and stuff like that live. But we've never done a full main yeah. planned out, thought out episode. Right. And we're just going to see how it goes. I know. I'm excited. I am too. We're probably going to fumble over ourselves yeah. and, but it's and live trip over ourselves. So in front of a studio audience. Yeah. Hopefully there's people <laughs> out there watching. Um, I wanted with our with our new digs, I wanted to have like some really like epic music in the background. Like yeah. um what's the is it Universal Pictures that has that oh, yeah. music? Yeah, right. I wanted that in the background, yeah. but I thought we'd probably get more copyright probably, strikes yeah. than we usually get. Exactly. I, I feel like it, that was needed for yeah. this. I mean, I'm more excited than the people here probably are. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to have some nice stuff on the walls for people to look at, even though I'm really pissed off because our arch enemies, the we system is down. Enemies. We do. The system is down wow. podcast. Remember the people that stole our yes. domain name back in, yes. when we started this shit out? Yes. Um, he just introduced his new digs for his recording space, and that happened to have a bunch of articles behind him in frames the way I have. Bastards. I did not copy him. I swear to God, I didn't. I think he copied us in reverse. Yeah. yeah. However, that works. But did, did you tell them what you were doing? I did tell him uh, what I was going go. to do, and go. then I I thought we were going to beat him to the punch, and then he released his new setup last week. I think just to fuck with us. So I think so. 
So that's okay. Um, people can say what they want. I will continue to talk shit about him because he's my brother and I can do what I want. Absolutely. <laughs> so it, com- it comes with the sibling it, like law. Sibling rivalries yes. here. Before we get into it, I do want to mention this show, this episode is brought to us once again by Run Your Mouth Coffee, right here, if you can see that. Run Your Mouth Coffee, which is um, freedom-loving, free-speech-loving yeah. coffee, which... Is a thing. How can you uh, hate uh, that? Yeah. If how if you love coffee and you love free speech, or one or the other, if you just love coffee but not free speech, yeah. drink one, run your mouth coffee. Exactly. You love free speech but not coffee, give it a shot, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I am drinking currently Rebellion Beans, which is single origin coffee aged 30 days in a bourbon barrel. Yes. It's actually pretty tasty. You should try it. I was going to say I, bourbon barrel. That does sound good. Yeah. I got to gotta get you into coffee so so yeah, you can um, enjoy this. So. And then I take a big sip and be like, that tastes like freedom. Exactly. That's just, I, I got to do that every time. Tastes like freedom. Yep. <laughs> it does taste like freedom. Um, again, Run Your Mouth Coffee was founded by a former guest, John Odermatt, and um, his partner, Ben Pangy. Uh John Odermatt is the host, uh, one of the Lions of Liberty hosts. He hosts Finding Freedom on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And Ben Pangi is the host of Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. So check both their podcasts out. If if you do love free speech and all the things that go with it, check out their podcast and support them. And also check out their coffee shop at rymcoffee.com. They just launched last month. And from what I've seen, they're doing, they're kicking ass with it. So nice. um, everything is... Fresh brewed, so or fresh roasted, not brewed. Fresh say, roasted. You, you Mine's fresh, fresh brewed. It. Yes, <laughs> um, it's fresh roasted, so it's delivered to you as fresh, if not fresher than like Starbucks or anything like that. Um, if you do decide to order from them, which you obviously should, uh, go to like I said, rymcoffee.com. You will get ten percent off and free shipping on your order if you mention the promo code Break the Bell. So put that promo code in, break the bell, all one word, and you will receive that 10% off and free shipping on your order. And it's delicious, and they support uncensored free speech. So got to love that. Definitely got to love that. Uh, hit them up. So yes. got that knocked out, got our coffee got coffee fix in for the day. What else we got going on, Bill? Oh, man, all what? kinds of stuff. No sports, really. I mean, who really no, watches the NBA? No, yeah. Is that even happening? More. I don't, you know, I haven't heard, well, yeah, there are games, but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not watching it. Um, I'm not when, either. When does uh, spring training start? Um, I think they actually just started, so I haven't been paying attention. I should be. Yeah, I'm surprised. But I think they um, start the last week of February, so I'll have to get in and check. I've been so freaking busy with yeah. this shit, getting this room set up. Um, getting the stuff set up so uh, we can live stream tonight, all the stuff that goes along with that. I got here down to this room tonight to get ready, and I started talking, and my mic started cutting out, like yeah, yours does right. on a regular basis, which um, you did your first solo episode of the, the Weekend, weekend Wrap-Up up yeah. yesterday, and we found out really quick that your mic cord is going to shit. Yes. And then I started talking of mine just to test it out tonight and it was going to shit. So I had to quickly run to the local guitar center and pick up a couple mic cables just so we could get the shit going on That's time. That's so how that always happens. I know. It's like, I, oh, you're going live? Let's go to hell. Well, I was, first I was like, well, I could probably make this thing, like move this around and make it work. And then I was like, 
for a live stream episode, yeah. I, I'm just going to right. hate life, and I will end up throwing yeah. my laptop across the room. You so. got enough going on. You don't need to jack with that. Yeah, exactly. So um, got everything set up. Got a bunch of cables running across the room for us to trip over, yes. and we are here. Yeah. Um, things are just moving forward for us. Um, got my internet speeds kicked up enough awesome. that I think this is going to work uh, better than it ever did in the past. We've had dropouts before in the past, so hopefully yeah. we don't have that issue tonight. If we do have that issue and we, you do lose us, this will be um, obviously posted again on Wednesday as a main yeah. episode, so you can always get that where you usually find us, whether that's a podcast uh, platform or on YouTube or anywhere else that you listen to us. It'll still be there, so you don't have to worry about that if you do lose us. Um, if we do get time tonight, we may do call-ins. That would be uh, awesome. It would be awesome. We have a lot of shit to go over, Yeah. so it depends kind of on how timing's going, how all our, our stuff's going. I am, like, freezing down here. Are you? I'm used to our, like... 90 degree room yeah, upstairs. I'm usually dying up there. I know, and I'm like, so I'm feeling good right now. I took my sweatshirt off, and now I'm just like freaking freezing. <laughs> so if I sound like I'm shivering, it's probably because I am. <laughs> so, yeah, live streaming, yes, mainstream. We Tonight, we are going to talk about some of the war policies that Joe Biden's been kind of yeah, um, throwing us around. Back on. Yeah, um, he talked about wanting to get out of the Middle East, which all presidents do that. Right, yeah, right. They want to pull out, they want to uh, tone it down, because he wants to focus on China. China. Um, we, we need Donald Trump back just do. to say China. Uh, Biden's saying he's going to pull out of the Middle East, and yeah. then within weeks of his presidency, right. he bombed Syria. Right, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think mean, that's, you know... It's a rite of passage for It is. You can't be a president until you bomb the Middle it, East. I, I, right? Well, it's got to be Syria, too. Yeah. It's like every president bombs Syria. I yeah. mean, Trump bombed Syria. Biden bombed Syria. Yeah. I'm sure Obama bombed the shit out of oh, Syria. yeah. Obama... I mean, where got, didn't he yeah. bomb? <laughs> didn't he get the Nobel Peace Prize for bombing Syria? Yeah, for He bombed the entire... He just blanket carpet yeah, bombed right. the entire yeah. Middle East. So, yeah. so, yeah, we're going to get into some talk about Syria after our intro video here. So... Um, some stuff going on there, and then also other things in the Middle East. It's like, a deep rabbit hole. It really is. We started getting into it, and we're like, holy fuck. Yeah, we started with just Syria. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up in places, I'm just like, yeah. how did I get here? Right? <laughs> yeah. We're not going to be able to talk about all this shit. <laughs> it's kind of like... What? No, yeah, we didn't go to Tibet. Not, not <laughs> Tibet yet. Yet. It's kind of like conspiracy theories. Yes. It's like, once you journey down that path, it's yeah. just like, you get to a... Uh, a narrative. You're just like, yeah. how did I get here from 9/11? <laughs> right. <laughs> how yeah. did I get to yeah. lizard people from 9/11? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like uh, we started in Syria and then ended up like, how does Iran play into this? Because right. yeah. all eyes are on Iran right now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But then it, it, it even you know we're like, oh, you know, Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, Cuba. I mean, North Korea. I'm yeah, sure. North China, Korea is China. actually involved. China. China. I, I, I started to say, I think Joe Biden needs to just have Donald Trump on retainer. So yeah. every time he's like, we're going to focus solely on, and he points over and he's yeah. like, China. <laughs> just, just because, I mean, I cannot say the word China yeah. without saying it like Trump. You anymore. can make that into maybe a ringer on your phone. I think so. The phone rings. Or China. we'll just have a, a China button or, here. We were hit. Huge. Like, huge. Huge. Just hit hit a button right here and it's like, China. We just need a to sound work on bite. That. Yes. We do. Yeah. But we're going to get into this intro video because 
we're not talking about anything right now. So, no, no. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about Joe Biden and getting us back to uh, the war business as usual. Yeah, he's taking us back all the way back to Obama. Obama era, which, yeah. no surprise. We no. knew he was like he's Obama 2.0. Yeah. We knew it was coming. So, yeah. um, you talked a little about it, but we're going to really dig into it here coming up. So, hang tight, and we'll be right back after this video. What are you saying? You talking to me? What what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Uh, uh, the, did you just say? What did you say? You're talking to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Who are you talking to? All right. I'm just trying to work out some of our kinks. Bill yeah. is checking to make sure the video is going. Yeah, shoot us a comment if you're hearing us okay. Yeah, make sure that there's audio for the video. Um, shoot us a comment in the comments of this YouTube video or on Facebook or wherever and just say, I can hear you or I can see you. Just just let us know if something's not working right or something's fishy. Yeah. It should be coming through fine because we're streaming what my software is hearing and my software is hearing us. So, so it may just be... Hopefully neat. it's working. Hopefully it is working. Let me just uh, check out a couple things while we sit here. Uh, you can tell us some stories if you want, Bill. <laughs> um, I just want to make sure everything is where it's yeah. supposed to be. All right. Everything from I've got um, boots on the ground <laughs> saying that our audio and video looks fine. Is that what we're calling him now? Boots? Yeah. Can we call him Boots? My brother's name now is Boots on the Ground. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Hooker boots on the ground. <laughs> so, yeah, we got that thumbs up saying that we look and sound good on YouTube. So we're going to keep on rolling with it. So, Bill, what do we have going on in Syria? All right. So, as we know, uh, Biden decided to bomb Syria and retribution for a contractor that got uh, got killed I've got an article. Oh. I don't know if uh, you had an article, but I've got Go an article that, that at least talks about, okay. like gives the reason, supposed quote-unquote reason, why um, we bombed Syria. Sure. And oh. obviously that's because of Iran. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that that always cracks me up. It's like, well, we bombed the shit out of Iran because of... <laughs> or Syria, or Syria because, because of Iran. Of Iran. Yeah. It's kind of like when we went to um, Iraq because of Osama bin Laden, who was right. a Saudi... That happened to be hiding in Afghanistan. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. So uh, it's it's one of those things is like, you're too big for me to hit, so I'm going to hit your friend over here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wonder. <laughs> like, maybe there's some deals that we, we're yeah. not, or we don't want to poke the bear too hard with Iran, so that's we're going to bomb is. their neighbor instead. Yeah. So this is from uh, NBC News. 
says Biden orders airstrike in Syria retaliating against Iran-backed militias. Good excuse. Um, says President Joe Biden on Thursday ordered airstrikes on buildings in Syria that the Pentagon said were used by Iranian-backed militias in retaliation for rocket attacks on U.S. targets in neighboring Iraq. The strikes killed at least 22 people, London-based Syrian Observatory for Human Rights said on Friday, citing unconfirmed local reports. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby... Did they? Oh, Pentagon. I was going to say, did he get a new press secretary? Mm. Did they fire Jen Psaki already? But no, this is the Pentagon's press secretary. John Kirby portrayed the bombing in eastern Syria as carefully calibrated, calling it proportionate and defensive. Kirby told reporters Friday the bombing caused casualties, but said it was too early to say precisely how many militia fighters might have been killed or wounded. We have preliminary indications of casualties on site. I'm not going to go any further than that. <laughs> Thank you for that statement. We have casualties. The operation was the first known use of military force by the Biden administration, which has for weeks emphasized plans to focus more on challenges posed by China. <laughs> the president's decision appeared aimed at sending a signal to Iran and its proxies in the region that Washington would not tolerate attacks on its personnel in Iraq, even at a sensitive dip diplomatic moment. Three rocket attacks in one week in Iraq, including a deadly strike that hit a U.S.-led coalition based in northern Iraqi town of Erbil, presented a test for Biden only weeks after assuming the presidency. The rocket assaults coincided with the diplomatic or initiative launched by the administration to try to revive a 2015 nuclear agreement between Iran and world powers. So it's interesting that he's choosing to strike now because he's also got these nuclear talks going on. He's wanting right. to revive this uh, uh, nuclear treaty with Iran, and there's a lot of stuff going back and forth with that, too. Uh, it sounds like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how much does this mean to you? Like, you know, I... I can I can I smack you upside the head? Can I can right. I dent your car? Right. I mean, are you still? Do you want the deal that bad right. that you're not going to say anything and let this happen? You saying Iran's doing that to us, or we're I think doing it's that both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's both back and forth because them bombing our stuff, our um, interests in Iraq yeah. is doing the same thing. It's just like, well, yeah. we want this, we want the sanctions lift, but we're yeah. going to bomb the shit out of your people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Back. And but they're hoping you're going to compartmentalize and be like, well, you know, that's Iraq. That's well, not Iran. <laughs> that's just Syria. Yeah. That's just Syria that they're bombing us in. Yeah. Kirby said two F-15 fighter jets dropped seven precision guided munitions on buildings used by the Iranian-backed militias, totally, totally destroying nine structures and partially destroying two. The buildings were located in Abu Kamal near the Iraqi border, a location known as a hub for the Iraqi Shiite militias mm. supported by Iran. So it's in Syria on the Iraqi border that has Iranian <laughs> militia members. Yes. This hey, but that's gets how this, complicated. That's how everything in the Middle East is. It's like, this guy is friends with this guy, but he doesn't like this guy. But yeah. he is friends with his friends over there. It's like a middle school <laughs> fight. It's like, it really I want to be friends with you. I want to be friends with her, and I want to be friends with him, but he doesn't like her, yeah, so I can't... Right. <laughs> he tells me that I can't be friends with right. her because he doesn't like her. Yeah. So I try to be friends with her when he's not looking. Exactly. It's yeah. a, one of those. Exactly. I, I have a middle schooler, so I know how that shit works. <laughs> you, you get to hear all yes. about it. This location is known to facilitate Iranian-aligned militia group activity, Kirby said. 
The airstrikes were ordered in response to a series of rocket attacks against American coalition personnel in Iraq and to ongoing threats to those personnel, the Pentagon said in a statement Thursday evening. The buildings near the border were used by militia, including Kateb Hezbollah and Kateb Saeed al-Shahada. Shahada. That's a mouthful. Right. According to the Pentagon. We'll take their word for that, because I don't know what either of those things are. <laughs> Iranian officials d- did not immediately react to the strikes. Well, that's good. Uh, the Syrian government condemned the attack Friday, calling it cowardly aggression, <laughs> U.S. aggression. So Syria's p- more pissed than Iran is about this. And yeah. we're doing this to spite Iran, and right. Syria's like, you fuck you guys. <laughs> Why are you taking this out on me? God. I don't even know these assholes. <laughs> calling it cowardly U.S. aggression in a statement from the country's foreign ministry that was published by state media. And I, I don't I, blame them for no, that. No, yeah, absolutely. Because... It is coward in a way. It is cowardly because it's like if you got a problem with them, why don't take it out with them? Right. Stop bombing our buildings yeah. and our our territory. Yeah, the strikes violate international law and will lead to consequences that will escalate the situation in the region. The foreign ministry said, according to state news agency Sana S A N A. Russia, one of Syrian President Bashar Assad's chief backers, said it was given just four or five minute warning before the strikes. Hey, by the way, we're going to be uh, bombing your ally right now. No. Just want to give you a warning. Yeah, just turn on the news. Just watch. Just watch. Yeah. Don't turn. Watch. 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 You see that? That that was, that us. was us. That was us. <laughs> this kind of notification does nothing when the strike is literally already on its way. <laughs> Foreign Minister Sergey Lavrov. <laughs> I mean, we laugh about this. I know. I know. But, but this is just people are get blown up. <laughs> people are getting blown up, and it's pissing all the wrong people off. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get that we shouldn't be um, coddling to Russia or, no. um, I guess, whoever you want to say we shouldn't be coddling to. But, but, but again, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, d- call me, hey, what you doing? Oh, <laughs> by the way. We're, we're going to bomb, bomb your ally. Yeah. Because of Iran. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing with this is that, like, some of these other um countries are saying that we're illegally um performing right. these strikes we're yeah we're not following we're violating international law and what they're basically using like old 9-11 laws that were right. put in place or reasoning for and that's what trump did too right. is like i mean by now crazy to say 9-11 is kind of an ancient thing like for us to well, still be this using is the 20th year coming up yeah so for us to still be using that as reasoning or justification for bombing, right? It it's utter bullshit. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, other countries aren't buying it. Um, no. and I I understand why. So um, this this paragraph here is all I had highlighted because of how it. Um, and this is apparently a critic of Biden's decisions, or otherwise he probably wouldn't be bringing this up. Sure. But this says it's not quite clear what the legal basis was for the strike. The Trump administration dubiously argued that the previous strike against the Kateb, Hezbollah, and other Iranian proxies were justified under the 2001 uh, 9-11-9-11 authorization for the use of military force against terrorism and the 2002 authorization for military force in Iraq. So this is Trump's um, reasoning that he gave. Right. So he not only gave 9-11 in 2001 pre-authorization, he also listed the 2002... Um, authorization for forces in Iraq, which 
Is this the it has nothing to do with is it? Is this justifying the 2017 bombing? That I, assume, I assume. I okay. assume. Yeah. Says which would be a pretty thin legal basis for an attack on Iranian-backed militia in Syria two decades later. <laughs> so basically, what we're saying, like yeah. he's using the 9/11 stuff, which 9/11 was again. Um, they they we fought them in Afghanistan. I right. guess we could say. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were primarily like Saudis and Jordanians and stuff, so right. it had nothing yeah. to do with Iraq or Iran. I mean, right. And then he's using the 2002 authorization for force in Iraq. Yeah. Which again has nothing to do with Syria or Iran or twenty twenty one. My my guess is it's because they never did any declaration against ISIS or ISIL. And yeah. ISIL operates in Syria. So oh, I'm sure that's been our kind of go to forever. Um but like I said, that was Trump's reasoning. This says the Pentagon and the White House National Security Council haven't responded to requests for clarification, so they haven't even given that right, good yeah. of a reason. Uh, please They're, hold. Um, um, I'm going to have to put you through to Jen Seiki. <laughs> they, they, they put her through to uh, Jen. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll get back around to that one. I'm going to circle back to that one <laughs> because that always works out so well for me in the past. So, yeah, we have this attack. Yes. In response to... Other attacks, which yes. have they like specifically clarified that these came from Iran themselves? No, because no. it was on Iraq. It was it was they were shooting missiles over into the Iraqi um, territories and hit supposedly like uh, U.S. forces and stuff right. and killed some people. Yeah, so it's supposedly in response to that, but I, I'm not buying that shit really. No, I I don't. I don't either. And and plus, it's like it's not like it, it just happened. I mean, it right. happened a while ago. I wanted to read just a little about Syria and why. You, I think you sent me this article, yeah, so like why we have such an interest in Syria, yeah. and it has nothing to do with really necessarily Iran shooting missiles right. into over Syria into Iraq or right. <laughs> or whatever. Before you get there, let me give you a little background here. Okay. So uh, the whole everything in Syria started back in 2011. It was part of the Arab Spring protest. Um, they, uh, the people there, rose up against the Syrian government. Uh, they wanted Assad removed, kind of like how they wanted Gaddafi removed, and and um, uh, the the leader in Yemen, Yemen, and and Egypt. Mm -hmm. They wanted them. So, um, the the um, protests were put down violently. Uh, so now the war is being fought on several factions. You have the Syrian Armed Forces and its domestic and international allies, uh, a loose alliance of mostly Sunni opposition, rebel groups such as the Free Syrian Army, Salafi jihadist groups, including the El Nusra Front and the Tahir Asharim, uh, the mixed Kurdish Arab Syrian Democratic Forces, and the ISIL. Um, a number of foreign countries such as Iran, Israel, Russia, Turkey, and the United States have um, either directly involved themselves in the conflict or just provided uh, support financially or through weapons. Iran, Russia, and Hezbollah support the Syrian Arab Republic and the Syrian Armed Forces militarily, with Russia conducting airstrikes and other military operations since September of 2015. The U.S.-led international coalition established in 2014 has declared purpose of countering ISIL, has conducted airstrikes primarily against ISIL as well as some against the government and pro-government targets. They have also deployed special forces and artillery units to engage ISIL on the ground. 
Since 2015, the U.S. has supported the AANES. <laughs> That's the, a long acronym. I know. Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria and its armed wing, the Syrian Democratic Forces, materially, financially, and logistically. At different times, the Turkish state has fought the SDF, the ISIL, and the Syrian government since 2016, but has also actively supported the Syrian opposition and occupied large swaths, swaths of northwestern Syria. Swaths. While engaging in significant ground combat. Between 2011 and 2017, fighting from the Syrian civil war spilled over into Lebanon as opponents and supporters of the Syrian government traveled to Lebanon to fight and attack each other on Lebanese soil, with ISIL and al-Nusra also engaged in the Lebanese army. Furthermore, while officially neutral, Israel has exchanged fire with Hezbollah and Iranian forces, whose presence in southwestern Syria it views as a threat. It has also carried out repeated strikes in the rest of Syria since the start of the war, mainly targeting Iran, Iran and the Hezbollah militants. So there you go. That's the breakdown. That's quite a breakdown. <laughs> That's a lot of shit. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it, it gives a more thorough breakdown of who is on whose side, and, and it is not any more clear, uh, what, clarifying. What we're going to talk about in the second half, and I'm, I just want to kind of point out here, is all these... Major, like, I guess you could call them civil wars across all these, like, smaller Middle East countries are typically have the interest of all these other bigger backed right. backing countries, like the U.S. is yeah. a big one, Russia is a big one, Iran has hands in it, um, yeah. Saudi Arabia has hands in it, Turkey has hands in it. So it's usually all these state or nations that hate yeah. each other fighting it out in other countries. And that's right. what we're seeing here, I think, in Syria. Yeah. We've seen it in Libya. Yeah. We've seen it, uh, we're seeing it in Yemen right now, yeah. which I'm going to get to Yemen here in a few minutes because yeah. Biden's made some policy changes on our uh, efforts there in Yemen too, which is yeah. supposedly, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with this, but supposedly it's the, uh, the biggest humanitarian crisis in the world yeah. right now. And you don't even really hear that much about it for it being the biggest humanitarian crisis in the world, nobody's freaking talking about this. Yeah. Maybe they are, and we're just not listening. But we're we're too busy talking about the election and um, yeah. domestic terrorism and stuff, and we're single-handedly missing that an entire country is starving and blowing. It's getting blown to shreds yeah. because— It's a human rights nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And But back to Syria, though. Syria, I've got this article that talks about U.S., Russia, and Turkey and Iran interests there in Syria. So that yeah. that kind of tells you that this is more than just a civil war when all these like major players are having their hand in all of this. Yeah. The part that really interested me was what it talks about the U.S. and their interests in it. Yeah. Um, it talks about— uh, it says, who the U.S. supports. It says, Washington has given weapons and military training to moderate rebel factions fighting against government forces loyal to President Bashar Assad. So we've given weapons and training to rebel factions fighting against Assad. Yeah. That in turn turned the, the some of the people that were fighting against Assad ended up being ISIS. Right. And so this specifically points out that we're giving them to rebel factions. You don't think any of our weapons and shit right. went into ISIS hands? Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it says uh, the U.S. ended military aid in 2017 and cut off some $230 million in reconstruction aid. Great. We went and blew the shit out. Yeah, gave them right. the weapons to blow the shit out of it, but we cut off right. the reconstruction Every, everybody aid. Everybody remember Aleppo? 
Remember yeah. how, you know, what was it? Gary Johnson was like, I don't know what Aleppo is. And yeah. he showed the little boy and he was like covered in like dust from right. buildings that blew up. That's from us bombing them. Yeah. The shit out of them. Well, that's how, that's right here where we cut off the, the reconstruction aid. Mm-hmm. That's, um, we, I think we talked about the movie Charlie Wilson's War yes. on an episode before. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. And what was it, Iraq? That, or no, is was it Afghanistan that we sent? Oh yeah, that we're fighting the Russians. We're giving the Afghani's right. um, all these weapons and shit to fight the Russians. Right, and they all their stuff got leveled, and then we we kept offering more and more weapons and stuff. And then when it started winding down, the same congressman uh, Charlie Wilson went to push for money to, for reconstruction. I think it was George H. W. at the time, and it was like, Probably. "We're still there." What are you? Mm-hmm. T-? And just basically cut off. And that's what single handedly made. A lot of the people in the Middle East really start to hate yeah. the U.S. because the way they saw it, we basically just destroyed their entire country yeah. and left them. But and that's what we did there in Syria. Yeah. Well, but before, just to give you an idea of like how difficult it is to keep, like people can jump sides pretty easily in this whole thing, right? Just to give you an idea. So the Syrian Arab Republic is one of the main parties that's in this, right? They're yeah. supported by Hezbollah, Iran, Russia. And they were supported by Iraq from 2017 to 2019. The interim government, the Syrian opposition, is supported by Turkey, with support from Qatar, the Hayat Tahir. The United States supported them from 11 to 17. <laughs> Saudi Arabia supported them from 12 to 17. United Kingdom from 11 to 18. France from 11 to 18. And Libya until 2013. ISIL is there from 2013 to current. Al-Qaeda was there from 2013 to 2014. The Autonomous Administration of the North and East Syria forces uh, was supported by the United States from 2014 to the present. Russia from 2015 to 2018. And then in 2019 to present. France from 2016 to present. A couple of countries I don't recognize um, support it. The CJTF queer. <laughs> queer? I don't know. It's QIR. Oh. Um, Different Uni- kind of queer. It, exactly. It's supported by the United States, the France, United Kingdom, Jordan, Germany, Netherlands, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Australian, Belgium, Bahrain, Denmark, Morocco, Qatar, and Canada. Oh, dear God. Well, so, like I was saying, just specifically the United States, we started out. Um, Training and supporting giving weapons to the moderate rebel forces against Assad's army. Yeah. Well, then we turned around and started fighting ISIS, yeah. who is against Assad's army. Yeah. So we're, like, taking out half of the um, the the backing that's fighting against Assad. So we're basically yeah. doing half of Assad's job by taking out... Not saying that ISIS was good or right, not, but or CIA created whatever right. whatever narrative you want. Right. Um, the fact is that we started this this excursion fighting against Assad's supporters, and then we turned around and started attacking the attacking anti Assad. Yes, and so yeah, that just shows like why why are we there? Yeah, at all. Right, right. So um, I'll let you continue. Same with but... same with all the rest of these places. I know. Why well, are again, we why why does the Netherlands care? <laughs> yeah, does the Netherlands fight anybody? Uh, apparently, says who is fi- who the U.S. is fighting against. The U.S. has been leading an international coalition of nearly sixty countries. Holy shit! Probably some of those ones you just read off, yeah. including Germany, targeting ISIS and other extreme groups with airstrikes since 2014. So we cut off our aid fighting against Assad. In 2017, 
So at one point, from 14 to 17, we were fighting both sides. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How does that work? I, I think you just you get bored at some point, you know? We must. <laughs> the U.S. has largely avoided direct conflict with pro-regime forces. No shit. But in 2017, Donald Trump ordered airstrikes in Syria uh, on a Syrian airbase in response to a government chemical weapons attack against civilians. Did we ever find out if that was actually a I was going to say, I, I don't think there's ever been proof of that. He surprised allies in December when he announced the unilateral withdrawal of U.S. troops in Syria, saying, We have defeated ISIS in Syria. I don't know when this article came out, but did he do it? He didn't do that this December, did he? Uh, no, he did that, that back was in a, 2017. I was going to say, maybe that's still talking about the same 2017. Yeah. This article, I believe, came out in December. I mean, his it says his own advisors later walked back <laughs> the statement, leaving U.S. allies unclear what the country's exact policy would be. <laughs> so We won. We, we won <laughs> against ISIS, so we are done. And they're like, um, no, we didn't. And yeah. he's like, but we did. So what are we going to do? But we didn't. I'll get we back did. to you on that. <laughs> says the U.S. also seeks to block Iran and Lebanese Shiite military Hezbollah from establishing a permanent presence in Syria. So again, it sounds like yeah. they're using Syria to keep Iran at bay. Right. Because what it seems like, they're at least making the narrative that Iran is becoming more dominant or more territorial in trying to expand out. So right. we're going to keep our... Um, positions there in order to prevent Hezbollah from establishing a permanent presence there. Right. Again, is that really our business, though? Right, yeah. I mean, yes, it sucks for another country, but at what point are we doing more damage than we are good? Yeah, and I'm sure that we're we're doing it as favor to other people. We also... uh, I I have this other article I wanted to bring up about Syria. And this just popped up today. And the timing is just impeccable. Let me see if I can find it. So this one is from American Military News. And you sent me this, like, hours ago. And I was just like, are you serious? We're just now looking into this stuff. Conveniently... The U.S. military has released a video showing Iran missiles missile attacks on U.S. troops at the Al-Assad Air Base, which is the same air base we bombed. Is that correct? Yeah, in that's Syria? correct. Yeah. So this just came out today. Again, there, I feel like all this buildup is a narrative kind of to change policy, uh, in the very least change policy against Iran. Yeah. Or... You speculate that he's wanting to cozy up to Iran like kind of Obama did. I speculate that they're trying to push because certain individuals have kind of pushed that we need to go to war against Iran for a long time. Right. Well, everybody thought that was going to be Trump's swung swung song. Like on his way out, he was going to like just bomb the hell out of Iran. And he didn't. He didn't do that. But um, I know one of the people that is pushing for... More action against Iran and very in strong support against renewing um, the nuclear deal is Dick Cheney's daughter. That's insane. Big surprise. And I didn't even know she was a representative. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty involved now. Yeah, she seemed to be more outspoken. I've seen several yeah. articles about her, and I'm just like, big surprise that um, Dick Cheney's daughter is going the route of Dick Cheney and pushing for more like intervention. Right. Yeah, I'm sure she gets a, a little cut from Halliburton as well. Probably. So this one that just came out, like I said, is the um, 
video released showing Iran missile attacks on U.S. troops. It says, on Monday, which is today, the U.S. Central Command released a newly unclassified footage of Iranian missiles raining down on U.S. forces last year in retaliation for U.S. airstrikes that killed top Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. I had no idea this was even a thing. Right, yeah, yeah. So they kept this from us for like a year. Yeah. Probably saying, hey, we, we took out the bad guy and nothing happened. And it's been classified all this time that they bombed the shit out of our troops after right, this. Yeah. Well, they they said that they they had bombed, but there was no release of any casualties. Right. I think they said that they had bombed, but but there was no major casualties at all. That, that I didn't even realize they had bombed. Oh yeah. It says the video taken from drone overhead shows the different positions of U.S. forces and aircraft. On January 8, twenty twenty, at the moment, eleven ballistic missiles began striking the American targets at the joint U.S. Iraqi al-Assad Air Base in western Iraq. So this isn't Iraq. This isn't the Syrian Air Base. So this right. was an attack on the Iraqi Air Base. Yes. Oh, okay. um, where 2,000 troops were based, U.S. troops were based. It says the first strikes destroyed six air maintenance facility structures, according to the video. Second strike location destroyed more air maintenance facilities in addition to personnel offices and living areas. More air maintenance facilities and personnel areas were destroyed at other locations. The video was released uh, one day after appearing on 60 Minutes Special. So 60 hmm. Minutes got it before somebody leaked that shit, and somebody's going to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so they're like, oh, shit, we got to release this. Freaking 60 Minutes. Which included interviews with troops on the ground during the attack and videos taken from troops themselves during the attack. What are they holding up their phones being like, look, guys, it's raining. Apparently, but the fact that 60 Minutes got this, yeah, some some people are going to be in deep crap for this yeah. because I mean <laughs> that's some some deep classified information and for it to get released to the media I mean it wouldn't be too hard to track down who took those videos right, either yeah. I would think it says one of the troops Army Major Alan Johnson said he took cover in bunkers capable of protecting troops from warheads weighing 60 pounds not the 1,000 pound warheads carried by the Iranian missiles 1,000 pound? 1,000 pound warheads were Holy dropped on shit. this so just a minor airstrike. Just a minor one. Words can't even describe the amount of energy that was released by these missiles, Johnson told 60 Minutes. Knocked the wind out of me, followed by the most putrid taste of ammonia dust that swept through the bunker, coated your teeth. Hmm. Johnson was so certain of his death. So I wonder if there was like some chemicals involved. That's almost what the, it sounds like. The yeah. ammonia. Johnson was so certain of his death, he recorded a farewell message to his son. The fire was rolling over the bunkers, you know, like 70 feet in the air. Um, he recounted, adding he thought we're going to be burned to death. More than 100 U.S. troops were diagnosed with traumatic brain injury. So just wow. a minor attack. So 100 people diagnosed with TBI. Yeah. And this they just failed to tell us this because right. they wanted this attack on Salamani to sound like such a good thing. Right. Well, I mean, if, if you heard this, what would your response be? That 100 of our troops just got, I mean... Got nailed and had traumatic brain injury. We should probably go to shit for this. Uh, yeah, we right. Go back exactly, this. and not turn your back and be like, "Victory, guys, yeah. we got well, this that's, one." That's that. That's just it. It was just like they're yeah. too busy covering the victory that yeah. they failed to mention this. And whether or not that was just Trump trying to keep us out of war or not, um, the, what the reason for this being released now? I, right. It's just very convenient for me that right after. Um, Biden. Biden's very first initial bombing in yep. Syria against supposedly against Iran. Right. Um, 
days later, they released this video saying, oh, this this stuff was out here. It's very, very time, timed very right. appropriately. Yeah, it's kind of like a marketing campaign. It's yeah. like, well, first, we're going to set off a couple bombs just to see how people mm-hmm. <laughs> react to this. Right, right. And then... Within a couple of days, let's just drop this video, leaked video to 60 Minutes, then we'll have to de- declassify it, and then people right. will be up in arms. This is why I'm saying I think we're trying to push to get troops or to get more into um, Iran's face. Into Iran's face, yeah. Or at least maybe use it for leverage in the nuclear deals. That could be. I, I mean, mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if you got the more cards you have against, the more um, you can use right. as leverage. Marine General Frank McKenzie, commander of U.S. Force in the Middle East, monitored the attack from Central Command Headquarters in Tampa, Florida. Things are happening that could take us to war if we don't make the correct move here. Or keep it quiet. Right. Keep it hush-hush. Exactly. Don't, don't. Can you imagine how did all those troops go for a year without really Same saying anything, anything to anybody? I know. I know. And again, that makes me think that even the leak was pre-planned mm. because these people... If they were going to leak to 60 Minutes, it would have came out... Right away. Right away, yeah. yeah. Not a year later. Yeah. Says McKenzie was also the one to give the kill order against Soleimani a week early t- earlier, telling the U.S. drone commander, take your shot when you got it. Right. I just see so much going on, because we haven't heard anything about the Middle East, minus Trump basically making all these peace arrangements right. yeah. throughout the country, supposedly. Right. And we have some stuff to talk about that, too. Yeah. Because there's some, almost some shady shit going some on shadiness, with, with yeah. those deals. We're going to talk about that more in the second half. Where are we mm-hmm. for time? We still got a few minutes left in the first half. Okay. So um, I did want to get into, let's move away from Syria a bit, though. Okay. I want to talk a little about Yemen. Okay. Because like we said, it is the world's worst humanitarian crisis, yes. is what they're calling it. Yes. Um, in... I don't know, forever, (laughs) at least going on right now. But Biden, um, in his first foreign policy speech, chose to pull support from the war in Yemen. Yemen. Yeah, originally it was said that he was going to send more troops to Yemen, but then all of a sudden he reversed and backtracked, and then it was like he's pulling support from it. Um, Do you think it's just uh, like a a move to show face? Because I think they said in his campaign he promised to— pull out of Yemen, and so maybe that was just him trying to keep up on one of his promises? Uh, he hasn't kept any of his other promises. No. <laughs> no, I I, know. I, I'm, I would assume that he saw something in the intelligence report, and this is a calculated move. So, in a nutshell, Yemen is a country on the border of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it's on the Arabian Peninsula, and... Um, it says here, uh, this fighting's been now going on for seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came uh, right after the Arab Spring, yeah. didn't it? Yep, yeah, right after. It's another one that was affected by the Arab, um, Arab Spring. Um, Iran-backed Houthi rebels and uh, and then coalition led by Saudi Arabia. Uh, it says conflict has displaced more than a million people, giving rise to cholera outbreaks, medicine shortages, and famine. I didn't um, even know cholera was still a thing. Me neither. It's the worst uh, humanitarian crisis in the world. Uh, has allowed Al Qaeda affiliate in the region to expand its foothold. So, from what I understand, what I've read, um, what happened in Yemen was from, like I said, what I've read, they there was 
pro-communist forces is what right. they call they call them like pro-Marxist forces, which yeah. I don't know how the Arab Spring plays into pro-Marxist. If that's probably just an American way of saying, I'm, I'm sure um, it's the communists versus yeah. the versus the democracy, well, free, loving m- people. Most of these strong arm leaders and dictators were put in place by the United States to keep communists out. Right. So, like you said, after um, after the Arab Spring or around that time. Uh, the the current president, who is kind of a dictator asshole, yeah. um, was starting to lose power, and so he he kind of put, he saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, he pushed out. He handed it over, handed the reins over to his VP, and his VP was more of a pussy than he was. He was a weak leader, from what I've heard, and so uh, the what's the name of the forces that moved Houthi. in there? The Houthi forces were starting to take over and like um, gaining traction on the capital. And so the, the the former president that passed down um, to the VP, he started wanting his power back. This is in a nutshell. I mean, right. <laughs> obviously this is very yeah. vague explaining of this. Right. But he yeah. started wanting his power back. So he kind of started backing the Houthis and got their support and helped to um, gain traction over the VP, overthrew the VP, who is now the president, and then once they overthrew the capital, the Houthis overthrew the capital. He decided to, or when he was about to, he decided to switch sides again, and back his VP and try to take back that power wow. that he originally had. And the Houthis, they were okay with that. They just fucking killed him. Right. I mean, <laughs> has he not watched any movies? I mean, I know. that's how that always plays out. I know. Hollis it, from Die Hard. Hey, booby. I got your butt. <laughs> it sounds like a script from like a, it, it does. a bad movie. Uh, right. How did he think that would work? So yeah. I'm going to pretend to be on their side, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to switch at the last second. It'll work out great. Yep. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he like, goes to the VP, and he's like, no, I was on your whole yeah, side. Right. I was, just I was in, undercover. <laughs> I was in, infiltrating the Houthis the whole time. I was a double agent. So this has just turned into a massive shit show. Yeah. Um, biggest reason is... Uh, the main government there that the Houthis are trying to overthrow are backed by Saudi Arabia. Right, right. Who I guess you could say is one of our allies. I mean, yeah. I would say is one of our biggest allies, like secretively one of our biggest yeah. allies. And yeah. it seems like Trump has really um, kind of reinforced that yeah. being allies. I, I feel like the Bushes really were um, yeah. with like the whole oil yeah. partnerships and stuff well i think we're we're getting into it more in the second half right the whole mm-hmm. all right so i won't i'll hold off on that until later just i mean just say it if you want well, okay so basically nixon set up um iran and and saudi arabia to be these twin powers and the, the pillars the, right the pillars them. right to keep communists out of the middle east mm-hmm. but then you know but then you know religious forces came in and they got like it was religious economic forces, right? And they kind of got power hungry themselves, right? Like, yeah, who's going to be the bigger player in this? Right, exactly. So that now the two of them have been going at it through different civil wars and proxy wars in the Middle East since then. Because the Houthis are backed by Iran, so right? 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 Supposedly, yeah, and is what the U.S. says, right? Right? Or whoever is against Iran, yeah. And the opposition forces are backed by Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and so, so since Donald Trump. We've been really uh, spending a ton of money, uh, sending a lot of money to um, 
Saudi Arabia and to Yemen to fight against the Houthi forces. Right. Well, Biden came out and announced that he's he's pulling that. He's pulling well, first he said he's going to pause some of the funding going through and pause the funding supporting and he's stopping like the the forces or the our support of the the fighting in Yemen. Yeah. So um from what I can tell, the northern forces um, are backed by Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And the southern forces are backed. They're the actually they were Russia backed, so that's probably where the Marxist comes from. Yeah, they're Russia and Iran backed. So, right. so again, these big players using small countries to fight out their their shit, yeah. so they don't have to get their own hands dirty. So th- this article here from Vox. Um, talks about Biden's announcement to end U.S. support in the war in Yemen. And if this is, like, so bad that, like, people are, like, getting bombed out of their houses and people are getting displaced, um, do you think it—I mean, you would think maybe we would want to continue to support that, but— Yeah, I mean, for that that cause, because, you know, the U.N. is is impotent and likes to get their nose in other people's business, they should be involved in this shit. Basically, it seems we are um, kind of— Playing a hand in making Yemen what it is right now, if yeah. we, because um, like I said, we're Trump was signing contracts to send like F-15s and and things like that into right. yeah, and get it into the hands of like Saudi Arabia and the forces fight like the pro-government forces. So let me read this article. It says the U.S. isn't totally out of the war, so don't get your hopes up. I mean, he says he's pulling from yeah. Yemen, but it, we're not totally out of it. It's just shifting into a new, less destructive posture. And I feel that's going to be the way of things with Biden. Like, well, yeah, we're going to end the war, but we're going to shift focuses. That's kind of, I mean, he talked about shifting focuses to China or we're shifting our our roles with uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran. Yeah. So it says, President Biden announced Thursday that the U.S. would no longer support Saudi Arabia's military intervention in Yemen. But the specifics of the new plan make clear Washington will uh, still help Riyadh. Is that the capital of Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Riyadh. There you go. Against Houthi rebels and other threats. The U.S. then isn't totally out of the war. It's just shifting into a new, less destructive posture. Since when are we ever less destructive? Speaking at the State Department to deliver a foreign policy address on Thursday, Biden outlined America's first real strategic shift on Yemen since the Obama administration when he was vice president. We are ending all American support for offensive operations in the war in Yemen, including relevant arms sales, Biden said, but he added an important caveat. At the same time, Saudi Arabia faces missile attacks, UAV strikes, and other threats from Iranian-supplied forces in multiple countries. <laughs> so we are shifting. Yeah. We're just shifting the focus off Yemen and just blanketing to Iranian-supplied forces in multiple countries. Yeah. <laughs> says we're going to continue to support and help Saudi Arabia defend its sovereignty and its territorial integrity and its people. says the U.S. will also continue to fight terrorist groups in the country that directly threaten America like Al-Qaeda or ISIS. I okay. didn't know Al-Qaeda he, was still a thing. Here's the thing. Al-Qaeda is operating very strongly in Yemen right mm. now. So we're going to continue to fight them. Yeah. But but they're only in the southern uh, peninsula, so we're just going to be there. Yeah, it's kind of like our stance that we took on Syria. Yeah. We stopped supporting... Now, 
the fight against Al Saad, but we right. continue to fight against uh, ISIS, ISIS yeah. and we're still blowing shit out. Here's of something I didn't know. It says the U.S. De- uh, State Department warns that Yemen's instability has weakened long-running character- counterterrorism a- uh, efforts. Um, the Barack, o- Barack Obama administration conducted 185 strikes over eight years. The Trump administration has launched 200 airstrikes in four years. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that we launched that many Me strikes neither. there. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, these airstrikes have killed several high-level al-Qaeda members, including former leader Nasir al-Wahishi, the top official Jamal Baldwal. About Al Badwi. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm butchering this. That's who okay. was involved in the USS Cole bombing? Um, yes. So there. Which interesting. I'll talk about that because I think that gets brought up in this too. It says, in other words, the military, U.S. military, will continue to operate in Yemen, but its focus will turn to terrorists that could plan attacks against the U.S. Is that still a thing? Is that even a thing anymore? I'm sure it is. The president also confirmed the appointment of Tim Landerking as the administration's special envoy for Yemen, tasked with pursuing a diplomatic, not military, end to the fighting. How do you go to a place like that that is that brutally like messed up and get tasked with coming up with a diplomatic solution, not military? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Oh, everybody, let's just hold hands and we can right. make this work. Right. Let's just sit down for dinner. I'll yeah. make some pork chops. We'll be okay. <laughs> he says um, there's no military solution to the war in Yemen. These were pronouncements <coughs> Excuse me. many Yemenis activists and humanitarians have long waited for. Since 2015, the U.S. has supported the Saudi-led coalition's war in Yemen against the Houthis and helped those forces push back on Iran. Again, there's Iran. But we're doing it. In Yemen and Syria, not in Iran. The Houthis' main supplier for weapons and funds. Until November 2018, the U.S. refueled Saudi warplanes that dropped bombs on Yemen, many of which killed civilians, including children. Great. But I, and I had read, and I don't know if it says in here, but I had read that they had proven that some of these bombs were U.S. bombs that no, were I dropped on it. I'm, I'm sure some of them can't, you know, they were directly supplied by the United mm-hmm. States. But the U.S. continued to provide logistical and intelligence support, and during the Trump administration, aimed to sell $23 billion in advanced weapons like F-35 warplanes, Reaper drones, and bombs. So we're selling them the good, good high-end shit. Oh, good. Uh, according to Trump, and that's some of the stuff that Biden's saying yeah. is going to stop. Says the war created a humanitarian disaster. The U.N. estimated in December that about 233,000 people died since fighting began, mostly from indirect causes such as lack of food, water, and health services. So not even the bombs killed them. It's like I was going to say, starvation. that sounds like a worse way to go. Right. Meanwhile, another roughly 24 million Yemenis require assistance to stay alive and fend off disease like cholera. Experts hope new Yemen approach, America's new Yemen approach won't just end a dark chapter of U.S. foreign policy, but will also save thousands of lives. The Biden administration is signaling that it's actually going to have a Yemen policy that is focused on Yemen. Um, let's scroll down, because it says some, some fear the plan won't work and even make, may even make the situation work, or, damn it, may make the situation worse. There could be unintended consequences of our disengagement that could actually accelerate misery says Dave Harden, who formerly led the humanitarian development response to Yemen as a U.S. official. While he's in favor of the end of the U.S. military support of the war, 
He fears that doing so means the Houthis may actually expand and consolidate power. Well, yeah, if you stop the pushback, that's exactly what's going to and happen. I believe the Houthi-backed um, government is uh, being backed by the UN. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, they, apparently the Houthis were supposed to—they had signed a, a treaty um, to just stop at the Sana'a um, region, which mm-hmm. was the the east or the westernmost. Uh, p- part of the peninsula, but they reneged on the UN deal. Um, they consolidated control of the capital and continued advancing southward. Um, and at that point, Hadi's government uh, resigned and ran to Saudi Arabia. Uh, okay. Says Biden's uh, new policy has three elements: the end of offensive operations in Yemen, so stopping the bombing, the support of the offensive pushes. Continued support of Saudi Arabia's defense and a new push for a diplomatic solution to the conflict. So those are the three parts. I'm curious what Saudi Arabia's defense has to do with Yemen. I mean... Well, like like I, I said, um, they were saying that Iran-backed... Other Iran-backed countries threaten their sovereignty, and they don't want to um, have their sovereignty threatened, so we're going to continue to support that. And that's one of the things that they talk about when it talks about uh, the defense here. It says, let me see if I can find it. It says, the biggest complication is what defines an offense versus defensive move. It says, say the Houthis attack Saudi Arabia, which experts um, expect they will continue to attack Saudi Arabia. They'll push further and further, um, like I was saying, if we stop if we stop the offensive, they're going to keep pushing forward and moving further. So let's say they attack Saudi Arabia. The rebels launched missiles at an airport or air base in Saudi Arabia in 2019 and at Saudi oil stations last year. So they're already attacking Saudi Arabia. Right. It says under international law, Riyadh has the right to retaliate in a commensurate way. Would the U.S. help Saudi Arabia with retaliation because that would be a defensive move uh, right. but it's an offensive move too right. so yeah. it's like really ambiguous language it's right. like we're going to stop the offensive yeah but we're going to be defensive but right you could pretty much blanket any right any like secondhand move right. we, as defensive we had to bomb them to to stop them from attacking yeah well, that's what i was going to say or what about proactive defense right. you know yeah. like oh we saw their forces moving so we yeah. decided to right. attack them to stop them Says some from some ac- experts, the ambiguity from Biden's team here means the door for such support remains open. I would have liked them to unequivocally say the U.S. is no longer going to be involved in the Saudi aggression in Yemen, um, said Anil Shaleen, a research fellow at the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. She's a fellow, a mm-hmm. research fellow. One reason the administration allowed for amb- ambiguity she surmised, was to keep Saudi Arabia happy while the U.S. seeks to rejoin the Iran nuclear deal, which Riyadh opposes. So that, again, tells me that Trump was probably really cozied up to Saudi Arabia if Riyadh opposes the nuclear deal, and then all of a sudden Donald Trump is completely opposed to the nuclear deal. So she's speculating that we're just trying to keep Saudi Arabia happy while we keep these... uh, Nuclear yeah. talks going with Iran. Yeah. It says the whole world... Um, it says... She 
Shiline worries Saudi Arabia could try to entice the U.S. back into military support with claims that its actions are defensive in nature. The whole war has been def- defensive in Saudi's eyes, she told me. So they could see this entire thing as a de- defensive move yeah. with the Houthis pushing right. closer and closer to them. So anything that they, we've been doing so far could be constituted as well, defensive moves. Well, and um, apparently one of Trump's final acts as president was designating the Houthi government as a foreign terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. So that criminalized interactions with the group. It deters governments from pursuing peace talks with it and impedes delivery of much-needed humanitarian aid. So, so, um, so we'll, we'll see if, if Biden reverses that uh, terrorist designation on the Houthi government. So it leads me to my speculation that I told you earlier, and I was kind of speculating that maybe we're trying to push Iran's buttons yeah. or have reason to strike against Iran or, or again, have leverage on these nuclear talks in the very least. Yeah. Because I had said, if we pull out, what's stopping Iranian-backed forces from committing something major, some major atroc- atrocities? Right. Maybe we're pulling out to provoke them to do something major so we can point the finger at Iran and be like, you guys are responsible for this. Like, it's not big enough to really point a fing- finger and have direct, um, like, have direct action right. to follow. Yeah. So if we pull our support out and nobody's really backing them, then maybe something big does happen. That gives us reason to be like, look what happened. Right. Look at you guys. Um, Iran had everything to do with it. Kind of like... The attacks in, or the bombings in Syria that um, we blamed on Iranian militants. It's just right. like almost all the shit can be pointed at Iran for any reason. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, like you had told me you think that we're trying to cozy up to Iran. Yeah, I, I think I think Biden is, is trying to. And only because he's shown that he's extending some of the Obama era policies. And one mm-hmm. of them is is cozying up to Iran. Yeah. Yeah, like we said, um, Iran or Obama's Iranian uh, policies were very much. Um, yeah, I'm gonna draw a line, and yeah, uh, right. now I'm gonna move that line. Yeah, right. And, uh, do not cross this. I don't care what you do. Do not cross this line. Oh, you cross oh, that oh, line. You cross oh, line. Okay, line. don't this, cross this one. This one's <laughs> the line now. Yeah. So um, I think it's about time to get into break, and we're gonna get back and talk a little more about some of these, like, like you had brought up this whole. Saudi and Iran um, power struggle back and forth, and yeah. what's kind of led to a bunch of these proxy wars and things. Yeah. We, we've kind of really nailed Syria and talked a bit about Yemen and this humanitarian crisis and Biden making direct policies and attacks in Syria and in Yemen. So it, I guess, would do us a favor to look into some of these other proxy wars to maybe sure. get, a, get an idea of where he's going to go, what his next moves are going to be, yeah. or what these big players, specifically Saudi Arabia and Iran, what, what their next moves are. Because Saudi Arabia, for like I said, for at least four years has been majorly backed by the U.S. Right. and other forces. And then Iran has been majorly backed by Russia and China. China. Right. China. And so we're going to get back and talk about those two countries specifically. We're going to take about 10, 10, 15 minute break. Go. We'll, we'll try to keep it short. Let's go 10 yeah. minutes. Let's 10 try minutes. to be back in 10 minutes. So go get something to drink. Um, we will uh, play you a couple ads and then um, just hang tight for a few minutes. Make sure you come back because we're going to do a little bit more digging before you, we see you off for the week. So hopefully you're enjoying this. Hopefully you're watching this. 
Um, we'll be right back in just a few minutes, though. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remsel W. Martinez, at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remsel W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have returned. As We're we back. All in one piece. I am out of breath, and my mic stand is once again falling. Yes, but you have your coffee. I do have my coffee. Which Priorities. If you didn't hear at the beginning, our show this week and every week for the foreseeable future is sponsored by Run Your Mouth Coffee. You support freedom as much as I support coffee. Drink <laughs> Run Your Mouth Coffee at rymcoffee.com. Enter the promo code BREAKTHEBELL to get 10% off of your order and then also free shipping and drink the coffee because it's delicious. I think you need to add some explosions in the background so when you actually sip your coffee, it's like... It explodes? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, that is what George Bush references to freedom. So exactly. It's like, I, I, we need like George Bush saying it, it, it's about freedom. They, yeah, they, 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 they hate like our freedom. Our, they, they hate our coffee because they hate our freedom. Yeah. So yeah. we need something. We got to do better. We yeah, we, we need, have all these ideas. But yes, we never we need special. Them. I know, I know. What was the the bullshit meter we were gonna yeah, we implement? Ne- we never did that either. Yes. All right, all right. We need to clearly work on some stuff. <laughs> we do. We we need to step up our game. Apparently. Yes. So we are back. Uh, we are alive. Hopefully, people are still watching. We are going to give you the opportunity to uh, call in if you want to comment on some of the stuff. If you have some insight on. Like the Syria proxy wars, the Yemen proxy wars, yeah, Iran. Questions, and, comments. Any of that suggestions. shit. Or just, I mean, try to stay on topic because we are limited on time. So we, we don't, as much as I would love to, we, we, we can't get into another Batman conversation right now. It's true. This isn't our bonus episode where we can just <laughs> talk about whatever we want. Like, okay, but, Syria, go. So um, I heard there's three Jokers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is this alternate uh, DC universe? No, no, we're not. We can't go there. We can't do it. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, so we did post the link to call in on 
our Facebook forum, yes. on our antinewslive.com forum, which is the social media platform of the future. Go to antinewslive.com and sign up for that because it is free and uncensored and all that fun stuff. And we're just wanting to promote that. and get So that. much better than Facebook. It, it, it is. Um, the only thing... I, and I've heard other people suggest this, so it isn't just original to me. Okay. The only thing they need to work on to improve is to make GIFs available for comments. Because yes. half of my, or GIFs, do you say GIFs or GIFs? I, I, I say GIFs. I say GIFs, but I think that's a, I think it's a... Is that an old person? An old person thing, Damn because it. I think all the younger people say GIFs. Well, the young, young people don't even use them, I don't yeah, think, anymore. True. They're yeah. all like, you're just old for yeah. using them. Why do you do that? Half of my commenting, or probably 80% of my commenting on people's posts on Facebook are GIFs. So yes. if they could implement that, then it would be the ultimate social media yes. platform. Okay. Otherwise, it's pretty good at everything else. So, cool. so go to antinewslive.com. I'm not paid to say that. I'm just saying it. Yes. Um, so, yeah, if you want to call in, which is where I started with this. Yes. And I'm going to circle back like Jen Saki. Is it Saki or Saki? Pis- uh, I, I, I Pisaki. say Pisaki. Pisaki. I like Pisaki. We'll call her Jen you say Pisaki. Pisaki. I say Pisaki. So um, if we're going to circle back like Jen Pisaki and say, if you want to call in, the link, our Zoom link is posted there. We'll keep kind of an eye out as time goes on to see if anybody does try to jump into that. Yes. So um, it looks like nobody is yet. So okay. um, if okay. you do want to call in and give your your comments or opinions on what we're talking about, yes. uh, click it, on that link and we'll allow you in. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you don't want your your face on there, we don't have to put your face on. There. Yeah, just let me know when I pull you up. If or just um, turn your video off. That's another way of doing there you it. Go. Um, but if you don't want your face on or you don't want us telling your name, um, we'll we'll. Give a cue to you, and you tell us who you want to be called. So um, we'll go with that. Otherwise, we'll just if we accidentally say your name, we'll just edit it out. If you decide we don't, you don't want it in the yeah. conversation. Yeah. So we're going to continue with our conversation as um, we wait for people to call in. I'll, I'll okay. check back periodically to see if people are trying to get in. Um, otherwise, we'll just keep on rolling. We had yes. you had brought up this whole two pillars thing. Yeah. That Nixon set up between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Yes. And so I have this um, Wikipedia article, because, again, that's our favorite source of information, because it's the yes. most reliable, well, most trusted. And, and to be honest, I, I mean, I was looking at this, and um, there is uh, probably about, oh, 17 pages of resources used in this Holy article shit. so it's pretty well in depth it is yeah i've never seen an article with that many resources so i i this is one that i actually would say is probably uh pretty decent and the way we reason we stumbled on this we kind of knew iran backed certain factions of certain right. co- proxy wars and we knew saudi arabia back the more we looked in some of these proxy wars those were the two main names that keep popping up and it's just like why are right. these people yeah. here we got our first caller his name is Justin, and if he doesn't want me to say that, I'll edit it out. Um, I actually requested him to come on because he was messaging me personally oh, yeah, about I remember you saying. And yes. so I'm going to let him in and see what he has to talk about. So let's see if we can get him in here. Can you hear me, Justin? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, I got you. All right. What's going on, man? Glad I- to be here. Yeah, uh, I haven't talked to you on a podcast format in probably three years, I think. Wow. On the System is Down podcast, we had a discussion about Waco, was that it? 
Yeah, we, yeah, we went through and uh, I think we did a two-parter going through everything that happened at Waco, which, uh, funny enough, that was a, not funny, tragically enough, that was a couple of days ago. Yeah, the, the whole... Anniversary of it. Well, somebody had posted a thing on Facebook that it was ba- it was like a government agency had posted like uh, thoughts and like mem- memories right. to the ATF agents that died and, and people like, fuck you, basically. Um, it was pretty much a big finger to all the actual like civilians that died in it. But yeah. we can't get there now. We're going to have to have another Waco conversation with you, Justin, because that was one of my more enjoyable um podcast that i've ever really dug into so um justin you had yeah yeah i'd be happy to do that you had uh sent us through the discord server a bunch of stuff about iran so you seem to have your own personal opinions and information on um kind of what's going on in iran and you i from what it sounds like you think it's all kind of bullshit and like iran's not really the bad guy we make them out to be Sure. So did I miss any context while you guys were talking? Like, we have a jumping off point where you guys want to start with us? Uh, yeah, just go ahead, because we hadn't really got into anything just yet. We we're getting ready to, but then you popped in, so I thought I'd pull you up first. So go ahead. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so basically, you know, Iran, they're, they're, they're a government, they're a state, they have their own issues. So I'm not saying that the Ayatollah is like some great guy, you know, a, a good person treating his people well. You know, just like George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, now Joe Biden does sees over terrible things that happens in this country. I'm sure there are plenty, there are a myriad of issues in Iran. But mm-hmm. the question is this, does Iran pose a threat to the United States? The answer, no, they do not. Iran has never attacked the United States. Iran did not knock down our towers in 9-11. That was a bunch of Saudis, Egyptians, and Jordanians, all of which, by the way, American allies. Of course. Uh, Iran has not building a nuclear weapon. They have not looked into building a nuclear weapon. They've talked about it, but even then, their religious leader has, you know, issued the, I think it's called like a fatwa, saying that nuclear weapons are not, you know, uh, legitimate in the eyes of Islam. And you know, what, whether or not he believes that is one thing. But I'm willing to bet that the followers of of Islam probably believe that just as much as you could say your average Christian, you know, has the belief in what they learn at church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot more, a couple more things like. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm spouting out a lot of stuff here. But basically, if you want to learn what's going on, Iran is basically the biggest sort of like um, not playing with the U.S. quote unquote threat in the Middle East. You know, they're not ever since. Oh, man, sorry, there is a lot going on. I got to take us all the way back in time. OK, so basically starting off after World War One, the entire Middle East gets sort of cut up between the British and the French. You know, the British and the French promised the people in the Middle East that were then run by the, the Ottomans, you know, the Ottoman Empire that was there for like, what, seven, eight hundred years, that if they help rise up against the Ottomans, that they'll get their independence. Well, after World War One, that doesn't really happen. The British and the French start splitting up these various countries in the Middle East based upon whatever sort of like sort of arbitrary lines there. You get sort of British imperialism, British companies sort of taken hold in various regions there, a lot to do with oil. Fast forward a little bit, you have a lot of trouble with British companies in Iran, um, taking a lot of the oil, not really giving anything to the people that live there. The people of Iran elect a guy in, I think, 1950, Mossadegh, you know, sort of like run-of-the-mill socialist, kind of left-leaning, progressive kind of guy. No, no crazy communist. He was not that crazy. Um, and he was going to just basically nationalize the, the oil fields, kick the British out and sort of give back to the Iranians what, you know, arguably is more theirs than the British. Um, 
the CIA and British intelligence work together to overthrow the democratically, elect, democratically elected leader in Iran. As we you do. can read about that. Yeah, you can, yeah as, as is tradition. You can read about that, the 1953 coup. We, the, the U.S. and British installed a Western-friendly uh, guy called the Shah, and he sort of brutally reigned Iran up until the 70s. Um, there's a lot missing out here, but long story short, the Shah gets sick. He leaves the country. Uh, they find out, the people of Iran find out that the uh, Americans were thinking of letting, I think it was either the Americans or the French were letting the Shah in to get taken care of. The Iranians are tired of his oppressive regime. That's when you have the hostage crisis. The Iranian, I think it was like students actually, you know, um, take hostages at the American embassy. Right. Then basically that leads to the Islamic uprising. And then ever since the 70s, we haven't had any sort of cordial interactions with Iran since the Muslim cleric leadership, I forgot what they're called, they took over, the Ayatollahs took over. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, we haven't really had a good relationship between U.S. and Iran. And then there's always just concerns about after that, well, the U.S. doesn't really have a good relationship. They don't get to dictate what's going on. They don't get to, you know, play their game. So they're the threat, you know, they're the issue that we have to deal with, the ever-impeding threat. Even mm -hmm. though during the 80s, when Iran and Iraq were at war with each other, the U.S. backed both sides. Israel backed Iran back then. But then after the 80s, Israel says that Iran's going to get a nuclear bomb and destroy, destroy Israel. But you can find a, a New York Times article in 1995 where I think it was Netanyahu said that Iran is just five years away from getting a nuclear bomb. That was 1995. It is 2021. You keep hearing the five years away, 10 years away, five years away. So uh, you can read Gareth Porter's great book, The um, Manufactured Crisis, if you want to learn all about the alleged uh, nuclear scare. Uh, you can just look into what happened. I mean, I'm, I, I don't take the, the standard route that crazy truthers take on 9-11. I mean, it was, was, was Al-Qaeda. They did it. They knocked the towers down. Right. But Al-Qaeda isn't Iran. Al-Qaeda is a bunch of Sunni Muslims. It's, yeah. it's a bunch of Jordanians, Egyptians, and Saudis. Yeah, not, that's, we not, had said yeah. that earlier on the show. It's just like we're using basically the outdated um, laws or, or reasoning for attacking, like the recent bombing and stuff like that in Syria against Iran that we used um, to fight al-Qaeda, and it's just like that has nothing to do with Syria or Iran, so um, it just doesn't really add up to why we would even—because Donald Trump basically used um, the 2001 um, reasoning because of 9-11 and then 2003 reasoning uh, for going into Iraq, and Iraq and 9-11 have nothing to do with Iran or Syria, so it just <laughs> it's just not adding up, and Biden hasn't even come out and said why— like his reasoning, or not his reasoning, but his justification for military action in Syria. So there's no um, really basis for it, aside from, hey, supposedly like Iranian uh, mil militia people are attacking U.S. troops in Iraq. So let's right, right. Iran it's, it's it's Iranian backed militias in Syria attacking U.S. troops in Iraq. I think was the yeah. The, the, the craziness. Now, now, I just remembered an important point that I want to bring up. So you're going to hear this thing, the pallets full of cash, the pallets full of cash that mm -hmm. we were just giving the Iranians a bunch of money and we were getting screwed over. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Barack Obama. I think he did two good things in his presidency. He normalized relations with Cuba and he signed the Iran nuclear deal, both of which were both incredible things. Yeah. Um, part of the nuclear deal was that Iran was going to get money, was going to get, quote unquote, pallets full of cash. But the reality is, one, 
that was money that was owed to Iran back in the right back in the Carter administration between weapon sales between the U.S. and Iran that was put on hold because of the hostage crisis and what happened after that. That money was determined in international courts, you know, whatever myriad courts that exist that was legitimately theirs and was just being held by the Americans that was owed to them. So it's sort of like if you think about it. That a nuclear deal is one of the most craziest deals in the world. It's like, hey, listen, Iran, we know you're not actually making any nuclear weapons, and we know we owe you this money, but we're going to make you take more inspections, and we're going to give you your money back, and then everything's good. And Iran's like, hey, listen, my books are open. You guys can send the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, to come in and inspect. I have all the documentation here. Come on, take a look. We're not doing anything. You know, we'll come up with all these grease. We just want to trade, et cetera, et cetera. And it was great, but you know, the, the people in charge, like. like they don't. They don't tell the full story. They just say, "Oh, we're giving Iran a bunch of new, a bunch of money, and they're going to build a nuke and blow Israel up, and then blow the U.S. up." Do you think a lot of that had to do with pressure from Saudi Arabia? Uh, yeah. So I think it's sort of like one of the things that had to do with the the nuclear deal is that because of what ha this is where Middle Eastern politics get a mess. And I'm going to I am not the world's most expert on this. I just read books by people smarter than me. Well, you're smarter than us, and we're trying to stumble through it ourselves for an episode. So. So yeah, let me let me try to do my best on this. So when when nine after nine eleven happened, and then the the bait and switch happened. Nine eleven happened. Oh my God, Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden. That's like Muslim sounding. Oh, the Taliban, Afghanistan. Ooh, more Muslim. Oh, Iraq, Saddam. Let's go into Iraq. Let's go into Iraq. That's what happens. You know, mm -hmm. you'll hear they'll conflate the Taliban. They'll conflate Al Qaeda. They'll pretty much say they're the same thing when when they're not. But then somehow. Saddam comes into the picture, who again, remember, was a U.S. ally back a long time ago. Mm -hmm. We had no trouble doing deals with him. You can find pictures of Saddam with various Bush-level officials back in the 80s or 90s or something. Well, after the second Iraq war, because remember, we've been in Iraq, what, three times now, first in the 90s, the second in the early 2000s, and third in the early 2010s. Yep. During, after the second Iraq war failed and tilted the sphere of influence in favor of the Iranian-backed allies the the shia muslims then you saudi was getting sort of concerned about where you know the, the george bush made a huge mistake iran got more influence in the region because of you know what was happening in iraq and destabilizing that area then iraq, saudi was concerned you know is it it's sort of like saudi did not like what was happening in, with the u.s sort of biasing or, oh man, I'm getting everything mixed up right now. Let me take a step back. I apologize. No problem. I was leading into another discussion. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Saudi doesn't like what the U.S. did with, with the nuclear deal with Iran. Saudi does not like the uh, the uh, sort of pivoting of U.S. interest towards Iran because of what Obama did with the nuclear deal. And I was about to try to explain why the U.S. was getting involved in Yemen is sort of a way to placate the Saudis because the Saudis were unhappy with the friendly terms we were making with the Iranians. And the friendly terms being made with the Iranians... Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. This is actually somewhere I'm not. I think this was one of the things Obama was trying to do right, doing right with the Iranians on that. There might be something deeper to that that I'm unaware of, but I, I do think he was trying to do something good with, because I think th the reality is this. We went to war with Iraq. They don't have a military. They don't have an air force. That was, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. A war with Iran would be disastrous. And I think even the generals and even the soldiers know that, you know, if, if we actually sent troops on the ground going in there it would be a bloodbath yeah and i think this was some way of trying to you know mitigate some 
some stuff going on there. Well, but yeah, again, man, you see this whole thing. It's just a mess. Like I'm, I'm just confusing myself up here trying to explain it. We're on this side at this point, this side at that point. Yeah. We've talked about that. Various interests. We talked about this, this entire episode and how, um, the proxy wars have kind of just been the, the bigger players like, um, the U S and Russia and stuff playing out in Iran or it, whether you don't even think really Iran's involved, but, um, playing out their games in other people's countries and making a mess there and without having to actually um, have the mess that would be attacking Iran directly because, like you said, uh, that would be a bigger mess than we could ever handle because of um, their military there or or whatever. So, yeah, we've been talking for an hour and a half now, basically, about oh, wow. um, um, the the parties changing sides and how in Syria we were against Assad and then all of a sudden we turned and we were fighting ISIS who was against Assad. So we're basically taking out half of Assad's um, um, opposing forces. And so, it, and we're going to get into some of this Iran Saudi proxy stuff, how um, basically what it seems is all this, all these little proxy wars, all these little civil wars is just like, um, these bigger countries playing it out in other countries and like pushing yeah. their power in other countries without having to actually um, claim responsibility, I guess. Right. So, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's really hard to figure out exactly who the players are and what the interests are, because at any given point in time, you know, just like I said, you can look in the 80s and you can see Israel talking about how Iran's a threat and then behind the scenes they're selling weapons to Iran. And it's just mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, what? But then you realize that just like how in a government agency you can have one part of it funding anti-smoking campaigns and then the other part of it uh, you know, subsidizing tobacco farms. Mm -hmm. And then you'd be like, well, that doesn't make sense. But then you actually start just thinking about individual incentives and how the government is not just one Glot like one person. It's a myriad of different groups with all their own competing interests. Yeah. Same thing in the U.S. Same thing with these different nation states. Um, one thing before I forget, let me just say about Syria, and I think you might have just hit on it earlier. I mean, listen, man, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm trying my best. You know, when I was younger and I was in the politics, like I was a Ron Paul guy. I mean, I am a Ron Paul guy, mm -hmm. but I remember back then when I was in college, I got really hyped up, and I was just like, yeah, let's end the Fed. This is awesome, and I, I definitely. Um, you know, I was just young and excited about everything. Mm -hmm. So now I try to make sure I don't take the hyperbole as far as I did when I was younger. But there is no doubt, there is no confusion with what I'm about to say right now that President Obama and and his staff they committed what is by definition treason with what we did in Syria. Like, if you were to make a case for why the U.S. should be in the Middle East, it would be to get the guys that knocked down our towers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to belittle what happened on September 11th. I mean, right. that was brutal. Like those guys who did that. They should have been captured, you know, tr trial, locked away, thrown away the key, whatever. Mm -hmm. If there is a reason, it should be get those guys. But what happened in Syria, we we were on their side. We funded the quote-unquote moderate rebels, but just like anyone will tell you, money is fungible. You give it to the quote-unquote moderate rebels, they'll just get given to the Al-Qaeda guys, just given to the guys who, you know, the guys who knocked down our towers. And I will say the one good thing that Trump did was end the CIA support in in Syria, in supporting these quote unquote moderate rebels, the mythical moderate rebels, because again, mm -hmm. not that Assad's a good guy. I mean, again, he's a freaking, you know, 20th century fascist, Saddam Hussein, 20th century fascist. But right. 
as my as my friend Scott Horton says, Assad is a guy who wears a three-piece suit and shaves his chin every morning. He's a lot easier to deal with than some, you know, jihadi, you know, hardcore, like, Al-Qaeda kind of guy. You know, right. we can deal with those kind of people. We can meet, sit at the table, have discussions. I mean, we did it. I mean, say what you want about Nixon. He went to China, talked with them. We worked with the Soviets. I mean, we can work with these people. But the times are different. The, the incentives are different. The American people have no interest in reading about it. And honestly, man, I don't blame them. It's a mess. You know, I barely kind of understand the threads that are going on. And right. that's why I need to, sh I need to show you, you got to read this. There's a couple books I can send, but the one book that just came out enough already time to end the war on terrorism by my friend, Scott Horton. It's the book written for it's written for your uncle is the way I would describe it. It's written for someone who's willing to give you a, give you a hearing out, but he doesn't want to read a thesis on it. He doesn't want to read, let me just list every single name and every single date. He wants to say, huh? Yeah, I remember there was something in Benghazi. I remember that in the news, but what mm -hmm. was that all about? Or, right. I remember Iraq, or I remember Saddam, but you know, what's really the thread that puts us all together? And that's what you know. That's how I learned all this stuff. Well, Justin, send us a link to that book and any other uh, resources you have. I'll include them in the show notes uh, because I'm oh, going to forget that by the time we're done with this episode. So um, uh, we are at a time, though. Uh, I got to get back into this episode. Um, I wanted to get your take on Iran because that was kind of our big <laughs> Sorry, focus here. Sorry, I went off here. on a tangent. Oh, no, no problem. That's why I, I personally messaged you. I'm like, dude, get in here and, and talk a little bit because you know more about this than we even do um, based on just the little conversation we've had with you on on Discord. So um, like I said, send us any links you have for those resources. Um, thanks for calling in. Um, yeah. I'm going to get you out of here so we can continue um, – let us know. Go back and listen to the rest of the show. Let us know if we missed anything, and um, um, we'll get you back on the show really, really soon. Sounds good. Take it easy, guys. All right. All right. Thanks, thanks man. Justin. Bye. Yeah. That was Justin. He is a listener of our show. He's a participant in our um, our communities across the social media. So, um, like I said, I just wanted to get his input on some of this Iran stuff because he's saying a different story than even some of the stuff we're reading here. Mm -hmm. He's basically saying that Iran's not even a big player of any of this stuff. So uh, mm -hmm. we're worrying about somebody we shouldn't even have to worry about, just basically making them the new boogeyman because um, the USSR is not our boogeyman anymore. So Iran's kind of taking that role of the yeah. boogeyman. But I did want to get to... Before we run out of time, um, this we the proxy war stuff that we had talked right. about and how we had talked about Iran and Saudi Arabia being kind of built up as the two pillars against um, communism back in the day originally, and we right. we put them in the position they were. Right. This right. was like a Nixon thing. Yeah, right. So I've got again this Wikipedia article pulled up about that. Um, let me let me pull this up. It says <clears throat> the Iran Saudi Arabia. Proxy conflict is what it's called. Um, it says the Iran Saudi proxy Saudi Arabia proxy conflict, which that ties into almost any proxy war in the Middle East. Yeah, from and, what we've been reading. And, yeah, and as you get in, you'll see how they tie into literally every proxy war that in the Middle East. And like, <laughs> like I said, we didn't even mean to get here. It's just yeah. every little proxy war we were looking up somehow had Saudi backing and had Iran backing. Yeah. And so you had found this article. I'm like, holy shit, that ties it all together. Mm -hmm. It says sometimes also referred to as the Middle Eastern Cold War. It's interesting that it's referred to as that because I've never heard that phrase in yeah, my life. Yeah, I don't mean either. It's like they say it like everybody should know it. Yeah, obviously it's the Middle Eastern Cold War. Duh. 
It's an ongoing struggle for influence in the Middle East and surrounding regions between the Islamic Republic of Iran and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. The two countries have provided varying degrees of support to opposing sides in nearly or in nearby conflicts, including the civil war in Syria and Yemen. So those are the two big ones we talked right. about. Yeah. Those are like the major civil wars mm-hmm. at the time, like right now anyway. Yeah. The rivalry also extends to disputes in Bahrain, Lebanon, Qatar, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Nigeria, Morocco, as well as broader uh, competition in Northern and East Africa and parts of South Asia, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, the Balkans, and the Caucasus. That's a big area. Uh, It's like (laughs) the entire Eastern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. The only place that doesn't really extend to is... The northern parts of Europe, really, yeah, and um, basically Western countries, yeah, is I, what they, that they have a map of like the different, yeah, that's right here, areas, uh, and if you look at it, it's like half like northern parts of Africa, the Middle East, mm-hmm. and a little bit over by Turkey, yeah, and there's <laughs> even what's that up in Europe? There's that little red that's, dot, yeah, that's the one that's over, kind of over by Turkey a little bit, yeah, that's a random one. Yeah. It says, in what has been described as a Cold War, the conflict is waged on multiple levels over geopolitical, economic, and secretarian influences in pursuit of re- regional hegemony? hegemony? He- hegemony. Hegemony. I don't know what that means. American support for Saudi Arabia and its allies, as well as Russian and Chinese support for Iran and its allies, have drawn comparisons to the dynamics of the Cold War era. So it's almost like a shift of the actual Cold War, because right. it's still like the U.S. and its Western allies yep. versus Russia and its yeah. Eastern allies. They're just using Middle East rather than Eastern Europe. Yeah, so it's not just the U.S. versus Russia anymore. It's yeah. Saudi, so it's like Saudi Arabia and Iran are our proxy wars, right. yeah. and they're using the other countries yeah, as right. their proxy yeah, wars. It's like uh, pawns upon pawns upon pawns. says the pro- proxy conflict has been characterized as a front in what former Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Med- Medvedev has referred to as the new Cold War. <laughs> but How, it's still the old one. <laughs> yes, same thing, just different name. However, Russia and Chinese support for Iran has mostly been political in nature, and even where support included arms sales or technology transfer, it's generally not been as significant as Western support for Saudi Arabia, with both Russia and China being more involved economically and sometimes military with Saudi Arabia and Sunni powers than they were in Iran or are in Iran due to international sanctions on the latter. So basically, uh, Russia and China are playing both sides right, because yeah. they can't get the funding that they were from Iran because of sanctions. So now right. they're also supporting yeah. Saudi Arabia economically. So yeah. says, before the JCPOA, which is the nuclear uh, arms deal with right. Iran, was signed in 2015, both Russia and China supported UNSC sanctions on Iran over its nuclear program. So they were both... Right. In support of the sanctions. They're like supporting Iran, but at the same time, not supporting Iran. Right. Playing both sides again, right. it sounds like. The rivalry today is primarily a political and e- economic struggle exacerbated by religious differences. And the religious differences, again, are the Sunnis and Shiites. The Sunnis are the Iran, more religious extreme type, aren't they? Yeah. That's the Sunnis. Yeah. Or is, No, that's the Shiites. The Shiites are... Um, the Iranian yes. ones, yeah, that's and right. the Sunnis are the, the Saudi, Saudi Arabia Arabian, side. Yeah. So basically, it's split right down the middle. I guess it says it right here. Iran is largely no, Shia. Yeah. I gotta keep reading. <laughs> and Saudi Arabia sees itself as leading Sunni Muslim power. Yeah. So a little background. <clears throat> 
says the conflict can be traced back to the Iranian Revolution in 79, which I'm guessing is kind of what uh, Justin was yeah, referencing that's a little what he's bit talking there. About. When the U.S. backed monarch imperial state of Iran became an Islamic Republic, the revolutionaries called for the overthrow of monarchies and secular governments to be replaced with Islamic republics. Much to the alarm of the region's Sunni-run Arab monarchies, Saudi Arabia, Ba'athist Iraq, so that must have been Saddam Hussein's Iraq, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. The Ba'athist Iraq. Kuwait and other Persian Gulf states, all places that we've bombed, yeah. except Saudi Arabia. So far. Says, most of whom are monarchies and all of whom had sizable Shia populations. Islam Islamist insurgents rose in Saudi Arabia in 1979, Egypt and Bahrain in 81, Syria in 82, and Lebanon in 83. Prior to the Iranian Revolution, I'm going to blow this up a bit. No, it's not going to let me. Shit, that was way too far. <laughs> Damn it. That was All right, let's go back. Uh, prior to the Iranian Revolution, the two countries constituted the Nixon Doctrine's twin pillar policy in the Middle East, which is what you briefly mentioned. Mm -hmm. The monarchies, particularly Iran, since the U.S.-led coup in 53, again, a U.S.-led coup, we like to stir shit up over there. Absolutely. We're allied with the U.S. to ensure stability in the Gulf region and act as bulwark against Soviet influence during the Arab Cold War between Saudi Arabia and Egypt under Gamal Abdel Nasser. The alliance acted as moderating influence on Saudi-Iranian relations. During this period, Saudi Arabia styled itself as the leader of the Muslim world basing its legitimacy in part on its control of the holy cities Mecca, Mecca and Medina. So they basically said, we are the leaders of the Muslim right, world. And yeah. that didn't sit well with other places. Yeah, and how would it, right? Yeah. So it says, um, in 62, it sponsored the inaugural General Islamic Conference in Me Mecca, at which a resolution was passed to create the Muslim World League. So they're basically claiming we are the power right. of the Muslim world. Yeah. Organization is dedicated to spreading Islam and fostering Islamic solidarity under the Saudi purview. And so they're basically um, declaring, like, what form of right. yeah. Muslim followings or teachings we're going to follow. And yeah. again, there's two factions of the Muslim right. world, the yeah. Sunnis and the Shiites. So and they don't like each other. No, and if one is saying that they're the leaders, the other one is not going to like that too much. Exactly. Saudi Arabia's image as the leader of the Muslim world was undermined in 79 with the rise of Iran's new the theocratic government under the Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, who challenged the legitimacy of the al-Saud dynasty and its authority as the custodian of the two holy mosques. So the Ayatollah rose up in 79 in Iran and challenged the yeah. kingdom, right, the Saudi kingdom, and said... <laughs> And question the legitimacy. Yeah. As basically the the holiest of the holies. Yeah. Says King Khalid initially con congratulated Iran and stated that Islamic solidarity could be the basis of closer relations between the two countries, but relations worsened substantially over the next decade. That's usually how it works. I was going to say, who didn't see that coming? Then came the Iran-Iraq War. Yeah. Which made things worse because, again, the Ba'athist Iraq was on the side of Saudi Arabia, yep. and we packed them for a while, Yeah, and, and it just turned into a mess from there. And we were, we were Saddam Hussein's buddy. Yeah. 
So what I really wanted to point out was over on the right side here, <clears throat> all the different countries and talks about yeah. belligerents and proxies and backing and all this stuff. Yeah. So what, what's interesting to me is I was looking at the proxies. So the if you look at like on the Iran side, right? They mm -hmm. belligerents. They got Iran and Russia first, right? Then they go, and then on the other side, it's Saudi Arabia and United States. So again, right. I think the two key are there are Russia and the United States. Exactly. It's not Iran and Saudi Arabia, I yeah. don't think. I think it's Russia and the United yeah, States wanting exactly. to hold controlling interests in the territories. Yeah. But then in the proxies, you see on the underneath Iran, it's got the Houthis, the Hezbollah, mm -hmm. the OIRAP, which is um, an Iran-based um, militia group, the Liwa Fatimi... Minun, which is another religious group in Iran, mm -hmm. the People's Protection Units, which is also a religious group in Iran, and then it goes into different countries. Whereas on the other side, you have the MCI, the MEK, the KDP, the Javish Uladi, the Havaz National Resistance, and Azerbaijan, which we talked about Azerbaijan extensively, extensively. because they've had. In 2020, there was a lot going on there. Yeah, so those first groups on the side, those are also different religious militant groups in Iran that is opposed to the current government in Iran. And they are teamed up with Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. And so, the United States, yes. obviously. So then when it goes into the support, you know, it got it, you have NATO, the Ba'athist Iraq, Egypt, UAE, Bahrain, Iraq, Kurdistan, and then it goes into China, North Korea, and Libya for the Iran side, Morocco, Jordan, Turkey, Albania, Kosovo, and Israel, and NATO for the American side, or the Saudi Arabia side. Mm -hmm. And it, then it goes into all these different civil wars that is currently going on. That What's interesting to me is Ba'athist Iraq was on the side of Saudi Arabia, but current mm -hmm. Iraq is on the right. side of yeah, Iran. Right. So it's like when it was Saddam Hussein, they were friends with Saudi Arabia. But when it wasn't Saudi Arabia, now they're friends with Iran. Well, that's what Justin was talking yeah. about. Like we went there and took out Sa uh, Saddam Hussein and then yeah. Iraq started backing more Iran and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Didn't really like that. And he, he was saying that's why um, Saudi Arabia was not for this whole yeah. um, nuclear deal with Iran. Which is I think we, we ne we'll need to dig into um Desert Storm again, because yes. um, again, you know, at what point did did Saddam Hussein step on Saudi Arabia's toes, and then they and they're like, you know what, United States, um, he's getting too close. You need to take him out. Well, it was like within days almost because it was. yeah, um, Saddam Hussein's like, I'm gonna go take out. Was it Kuwait? Yeah, Kuwait. He's like, I'm gonna. And George Bush was like, what happens in the Middle East stays in the yeah, Middle East. He, yeah, he asked George Bush, and George Bush is like, you know what, go for it, man. Yeah, he flat out said he's like. You, what you do in the Middle East has nothing to do with us. It has yeah. no effect on us. And yeah. then as soon as he did it, it's like the switch flipped. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, you can't do that yeah, shit. We, yeah. We need, to, we need to protect the sovereignty of Kuwait, and we need to keep our ally Saudi Arabia safe. Yeah. And so... And, and I can imagine Saddam Hussein being like, whoa, what? What? what wait, I thought that's we not, were on the same side, man. What? Uh, when did... Was this a thing? Yeah. And then, again, when we took out Sa uh, Saddam Hussein, Iraq leans now more on... The other side, and Saudi yeah. Arabia is like, what did we just do? What I thought was interesting in this article, which I had not seen before, so reading the um, Iran-Iraq War, it says, In 1980, Saddam Hussein attempted to take advantage of the revolutionary unrest in Iran and quell the revolution in its infancy. 
fearing a possible revolutionary wave that could threaten Iraq's stability and embolden its Shia population, which I could totally see Saddam Hussein thinking that. Saddam launched an invasion on 20th of September, triggering an Iran-Iraq war, which lasted for eight years and killed hundreds of thousands. Saddam had reportedly secured Saudi support for Iraq war uh, efforts during an August 1980 visit he made to Saudi Arabia. This was to, in addition to financial and military support Iraq received from neighboring leaders in Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Kuwait, Jordan, Qatar, and the UAE, in part to hedge Iranian power. This is an interesting part. American support for Iraq during the war had profound effects on Iran. The United States' defense of Saddam had and its role in blocking investigation into Iraq's use of chemical weapons on Iranian soldiers mm -hmm. and civilians convinced Iran to further pursue its own unconventional weapons program. So we basically built them. Well, we blocked <laughs> investigations into Iraq. Yeah. But then our whole reasoning for going into Iraq was... Was chemical weapons. Weapons of mass destruction, yeah. yes. So, again, we're <laughs> playing... Yeah. Whatever side is convenient for us yeah. at the time. It's just like, um, Iran's pissed at us because we blocked um, investigations into that, but then we went in and we're like, oh, no, this is here, and then let's yeah. attack Iraq. Yeah. It makes it's me funny wonder, how that happens. Yeah. I, I just wonder what our whole strategy was there. Well, you know, it, <laughs> it really makes you think that um, when you look back at it all, what, what haven't we fucked up? Mm. <laughs> well, that's just it. It's just like... Why? Why the, are we the here? The whole state of the world seems to be based on the fact that the United States was afraid of communism, mm -hmm. and then that pushed into the fear of Muslim extremism, yeah. which is kind of just in turn the right. same thing, yeah, even it, though it's something totally different. It was just basically yeah. morphed into the the next yeah push. Which, if you're kind of conspiracy minded or even not, it's the whole uh, military industrial con. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Complex. There you go. Uh, yeah. um, that Eisenhower warned against. It's just like, well, obviously the threat of communism isn't as big of a deal as it used to be, so we got to shift shift yeah. focus here. And now it turned into Muslim extremism or whatever you're calling this. And you started talking about the civil wars, and I cut you off. So oh, sure. If you want to get back into that. Um. So it just it mentions some of the wars that they're involved in the the Nagorno Karabakh, which is what we talked about with um, the Azerbaijan this last year, mm -hmm. um, which was um, again a proxy of Saudi Arabia um, versus a proxy of Iran. Um, the Syrian civil war, which is currently going on, the Yemeni civil war, currently going. Yeah, it on. talks about the two sides. It shows the two sides of those. Civil yeah. wars, which we briefly talked about, but right. you have like the Supreme Political Council on the Yemeni, which is the coolest name ever. Yeah, so this is on. Um, this must be on the Houthi side, yeah, because yeah. it says the Houthis, Arar al Najran. Yeah. So, I'm, right. so it says allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, yeah. the Houthis. <laughs> so for the Nagorno Karabakh War, which was the the border conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Yeah. This was last year's. Yeah, this is conflict? the one that we had covered here and there, um, that we were surprised that uh, nobody was talking about. Mm -hmm. So you, on the Saudi side, you got Azerbaijan, the Free Syrian Army, and they were supported by Turkey and Israel. And then on the Iran side, you have the Ar Arsaki Republic, which is an Iranian uh, militant group, Armenia, and they were supported by Iran, Russia, France, 
France and Greece. France is doing something? Yeah, I know, right? And then for the Syria civil war, you have the Syrian opposition, the Free Syrian Army, and the Army of Conquest, supported by Turkey, Qatar, and Libya. And then on the other side, Iran side, you have the Syria, Iran, Hezbollah, Russia, PMF, the People's Protection Units, the Syriac Military Council, supported by Iraq, China, Armenia, and North Korea. The Yemeni Civil War, you have the Cabinet of Yemen and the Sudan, the UAE, Bahrain, Kuwait, Qatar, Jordan, Djibouti. 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 Yeah. My uh, brother-in-law was in Djibouti. Nice. (laughs) Not your booty. I know. Djibouti. I know. (laughs) All right. Egypt, Senegal, the United States, and Al-Qaeda. Interesting. And on the Yemeni and on the Iran side, you have the Supreme Political Council, the Houthis. So we're on Al Qaeda's side on this. Apparently, yes, because we're supposedly keeping forces there to fight against Al Qaeda yeah. in Yemen. From what um, we read in the reasons why, yeah, Biden is actually keeping people in Yemen is to fight against like Al Qaeda, hey, yeah. Al Qaeda terrorists. And apparently, we're on the same side as Al Qaeda. Does anybody know this my, stuff? I mean, my freaking brain. <laughs> I know, I know. And so then, yeah. this is this is our foreign policy. Yeah, right. And what it has been since yeah. the Cold I, War. Again, how does anybody keep this shit straight? You know, on the Iran side, this part blows my mind. You got Iran, North Korea, Russia, and allegedly Cuba. What allegedly. is Cuba doing all the way out there? Allegedly, <laughs> every time they put allegedly, <laughs> I just think of Donald Trump and and Cuba. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, we got at least two of these still big, big civil wars. Syria. Right. We still have our hands in Syria. We just bombed the shit out of Syria again. Um. The Yemen conflict is in the news right now. We just made our uh, foreign policy to withdraw a lot of support in the Yemen con- conflict. What is what's our play right now? Well, so. This is interesting. This is something I never even heard of. Okay, let me tell me if you you did. This is the uh, 2019 to 2021 Persian Gulf crisis. That was a thing. That apparently. Oh. It says military tensions between Iran and the U.S. escalated in 2019 amid a series of confrontations involving the U.S., Iran, and Saudi Arabia. Attacks on oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman took place in May and June. In the wake of growing tensions, Foreign Minister Mohammad Javid Zaif stated that Iran sought good relations with Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and their allies and called to them to end their dispute with Qatar. In September of 2019, a drone attack was launched on the Saudi Aramco oil processing facility in Abuqaq and Karais oil fields in the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. The attack knocked out half of the country's oil supply. Although the Houthi rebels in Yemen claimed responsibility, the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo alleged that Iran was behind the attack, which I think is total bullshit. Yeah. A charge that Iran denied. Saudi Arabia and the U.S. were reportedly investigating whether the attacks involved cruise missiles launched from Iran or Iraq. U.S. officials had previously concluded that the attack on the east-west pipeline was launched by Iranian-backed militias in southern Iraq, despite Houthi rebels also claiming responsibility. On 16th of September, the U.S. told Saudi Arabia that it had concluded that Iran was a staging ground for the September attack. The U.S. raised the prospect of a joint retaliatory strike on Iran, an action which would potentially broaden into regional conflict. 
Saudi Arabia said its investigation was ongoing, but officials allege that Iranian weapons were used in the strikes. That doesn't mean jack shit. American weapons are used all the time. Mm -hmm. The attacks were not launched from Yemen. The claims were made without supporting evidence. Iran's Hassan Rouhani, after the attack on Aramco, claimed that Saudi Arabia could take it as a warning to stop its intervention in Yemen. The Saudi-led intervention has led to the deaths of more than thousands to date. So I, I kind of wonder, we, we briefly talked about, when we talked about the airstrikes um, following the the taking out of that, um, what was that guy's name? That general? Salmani. Salmani, yeah. yeah. Um, how it was kind of brushed under to make Trump's victory seem like a bigger deal, and yeah. the backlash wasn't as big as it was. <clears throat> it makes you wonder if, because we haven't heard a lot in the Middle East, really, during oh, yeah. Trump's entire presidency, right. there wasn't a lot of coverage on it. It almost makes you wonder if yeah. um, he was downplaying what was going on over there because all of well, a sudden, yeah. as soon as Biden takes over, all the shit's going down, right. and then we start looking, it's just like, oh, yeah, this shit like, was... It's was, been going on the whole time. Well, it, yeah. it, it keeps going. On 3rd January 2020, the U.S. launched an airstrike on a convoy near Baghdad, an international airport that killed multiple passengers, including the Major General... And IRGC quotes Force Commander Salmani and Iraqi Popular Mobilization Forces Commander Abu Marid Al Muhanis. Is that the monkey from Aladdin? <laughs> sorry, that's probably really racist. <laughs> no, it's all right. His name was Abu. I'm sorry. <laughs> the military action came shortly after pro-Iran protesters and Iraqi militia military men, uh, sorry, militiamen attacked the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad on 31st of September 2019 in response to U.S. airstrikes targeting. Iran-backed militia. The airstrike has been seen as a major escalation of tensions, and the government of Iran has vowed revenge in response. Foreign Minister Mohammad Javid Zarif called the attack an extremely dangerous and foolish escalation and released a statement saying that the brutality and stupidity of American terrorist forces in assassinating Soleimani will undoubtedly make the tree of resistance in the region and the world more prosperous. So, yeah, there's been a lot of shit going on for the last couple of years that we yeah, hadn't we really heard about. All we've really heard is um, Trump's peace talks and yeah. his peace negotiations between the UAE and Israel, between this yeah. country and Israel. All these countries, like, collectively joining forces with Trump and him winning uh, yeah. the Nobel Peace Prize for this yeah, or right. being nominated for it. Um, and we're <laughs> missing all this other shit that's been going on the whole time. Right. And it doesn't help that the... The news cycle, all it focused on was Donald Trump's impeachments, Donald Trump saying this, Donald yeah. Trump in North Korea, Donald Trump in Russia. That was the focus for four years, yeah. not not what's been going on in the Middle East. And do you got more there? Because I, I, I have That's some stuff that. about yeah, these peace treaties that he supposedly made over there. This popped up today in our research on ArabNews.com. Um, talking about this coalition between some of these Middle Eastern countries. Okay. It's called, the, the article is titled um, NATO for the Middle East. So their own alliance in the Middle East, basically. So this one was really interesting. I'll just read it. I won't talk about it. I'll read it. it says, um, in the past few weeks, I have held numerous conversations with opinion makers and decision takers in the Middle East. They are all worried. They are tracking apprehensively Iran's concerted efforts to develop long-range crews and precision-guided missiles that threaten to destabilize the region. There's that narrative again that mm -hmm. Iran has these nukes. It's 
from what Justin's saying is they don't have a nuclear program. Right. I don't know the details on that. I just what everybody's saying, but that also right. kind of reflects back to our reasoning for going into Iraq, the whole right. weapons of mass destruction. Is it something similar to that where um, everybody is making these these statements to to push it back against Iran? Right. It says, they're monitoring anxiously Iran's repeated provocations of the international community and its violations of the commitment it made in 2015 um Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. That was the nuclear deal. Right. They are watching fearfully as Iran resumes enriching uranium to 20% purity in breach of the JCPOA. When did this article come out? This came out today, actually. So we're right on track, <laughs> I guess. Perfect. Um, it says they are contemplating aghast the West's inability to halt these belligerent, dangerous developments. Many have lost faith in America and Europe. Some are thinking of turning to Russia and China. All find themselves in a disconcerting, distressing situation, recognizing they have reached a momentous crossroad. If they're reaching out to Russia and China, they're supposedly backing Iran. So how's that work out? During these conversations, I also heard encouraging voices, the likes of which I had not heard before. Almost all the Arabs I spoke with said the only ally against Iran that they trust without reservation is Israel. And almost all Israelis I spoke to with said the only ally against Iran they trust without reservation is the Arab world, or like Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Interesting. Century after it began, the Arab-Israeli conflict is truly ending. The Egyptian-Israeli treaty began the process in 79, followed by Israeli-Jordanian pact in 94. But peace agreements signed in 2020 by Israel and the UAE, Bahrain, Sudan, and Morocco have finally ushered in a genuine regional revolution. No mention here whatsoever of Trump orchestrating these deals. Right, yeah. These were all the deals that we talked about at the end of Trump's presidency that he supposedly orchestrated. They're saying that these peace agreements were themselves. Says... Other moderate Arab nations that have not yet joined the Arab Accord or the Abraham Accord are quietly cultivating relations with Israel. As their fears of Iran grows and their doubts about the West deepens, Arabs and Israelis are growing closer than they ever have been. I, that's so such an interesting article to me that they're just leaving the U.S. completely out of this. Yeah, that is. It says, as I finish this exhilarating round of talks... I had a thought. Isn't it time to combine the monumental struggle against Iran with the blossoming Arab-Israeli partnership? Isn't it time to take further daring step beyond the Abraham Accords? Could this be the time for Arabs and Israelis to embark on a strategic alliance? says, in the 80s, I worked at the Pentagon and served as U.S. ambassador to Austria. There I saw firsthand what a crucial role NATO played in ensuring Europe's security and stability against the Soviet threat. Now the beginning of the third decade of the 21st century may well be the time to form an Arab-Israeli NATO to ensure the security and stability of the Middle East against the Iranian threat. The foundation members of this new alliance, Middle East Defense Organization, or MEDO, could be the nations in the Middle East and North Africa that already have a treaty or an open relation with Israel. Egypt, Jordan, the UAE, Bahrain, Sudan, and Morocco. I'm optimistic other Arab nations may join the Abraham Accords soon. Mito could also pursue close relations with Greece, Cyprus, and the African nations uh, with objective of protecting their stability and encouraging swift economic development. 
So it says, it goes on to say, um, in doing so, this new organization would also indirectly serve the interest of the West in the international community, calming one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the world without relying on the U.S. or U.N. soldiers or seeking favor from world powers. Yeah. So that says, it doesn't, they, they want to indirectly, like, help the interests of the West, but they don't want to rely on the U.S. or U.N. at all. That's beautiful. It is. That's how yeah. it should be. Absolutely. But according to Trump, this was all orchestrated by him, and yeah. we had talked about what side shady deals he had with Israel or UAE or yeah. Bahrain or whoever was part, part of this. Right, and apparently lots. Well, I'm wondering, <laughs> did he have not much to do with it, and he was taking credit for that too? That's possible. Or is this another narrative against Iran? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, because a lot of those articles we, we took was directly from— um, Oh gosh, Al Jazeera, which no fan of Trump. You know, there's no sense in them giving him credit. Yeah, well, this is ArabNews.com. Maybe because um, m- most players in the me- Middle East hate the United States, so right. if they maybe they didn't want to involve Trump in any. <clears throat> yeah, of that. if they didn't, if I could see them strategically wanting to disconnect from the U.S. Yeah. altogether, and for them to claim, hey, this was all an us thing. Right. Yeah. If that's the case, then great. But yeah, I I don't see good things happening because no. this also pushes this is arab news so this is obviously probably coming out of saudi arabia right um there is this b- big big push here narrative against iran and how they're building up nuclear right. arms and they're right. threatening the the stability of the region and all this stuff so um I, this this could be a us or i, I got some uh, a wrinkle in that for you okay all right so uh, this talks about the nuclear programs of Iran and Saudi Arabia. It says, uh, let's see, it history of them signing non-proliferation nuclear weapons treaties in the 70s and 88. Uh, talks about um, expansion in 2006 with the passage of the United Nations Security Council resolution. Then it goes on and says, Saudi Arabia has considered several options in response to the Iranian program. Acquiring its own nuclear capability as a deterrent, entering it into an alliance with an existing nuclear power, or pursuing a regional nuclear weapon-free zone agreement. It is believed that Saudi Arabia has been a major financer of Pakistan's integrated nuclear program since 1974, a project begun under former Prime Minister Zuvikar Ali Bhutto. In 2003, it was reported that Saudi Arabia had taken the strategic decision to acquire off-the-shelf atomic weapons from Pakistan, oh, according to senior American officials. In 2003, the Washington Times reported that Pakistan and Saudi Arabia had entered a secret agreement on nuclear cooperation to provide the Saudis with nuclear weapons technology in return for access to cheap oil. Interesting. Yes. All those, all those shady deals, all those. And it sounds like Saudis... Um, response to Iran's nuclear program is their own nuclear program. But you don't hear anybody getting pissed off at Saudi Arabia. For no. Equi- well, it's just, like I've always at, like wondered, it's like, why are we pushing back against North Korea's nuclear program or Iran's nuclear program when we have the biggest nuclear arsenal ourselves? And right. all the countries we support have the biggest nuclear arsenals themselves. It's just, I mean, obviously it's to keep us at the... <laughs> the higher level right the head of the table yeah so um we're running out of time i i see that just since biden took office there is there it's at least becoming more evident this big split 
against Iran. Yeah. And Biden seems to be, I don't know, like Justin was saying, the nuclear deal was a good thing because we owe them this money anyway, and right. um, they don't have a nuclear program anyway, so it's just kind of smoothing relations. You had said we, you think Biden's trying to get cushy with Iran. Yeah. I, I see all the other nations are taking hard stances against, against Iran. Iran, yeah. And with Biden pulling a lot of support from um, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. like what's the play here? I I don't see right. it. I don't see it ending peacefully by any no. stretch. No, I, I I understand how everybody supposedly, most normal people, I guess, want to see peace in the in the region and things just kind of right people to be able to live in their own countries and not send missiles across the borders and everybody just be able to le- live their own lives. But yeah. that history shows that's not the the big power players, that's not their game. Right, right. Yeah. Like, we have to have our hand to protect our special interests in the region because yeah. especially with him shutting down oil pipelines, I, I get that he wants to go oil independent, but that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Not anytime soon. So we're going to have to get that from somewhere. Yeah. So if he's shutting down our oil... Right reservations here it's got to come from somewhere right. and so. saudi arabia has been our biggest supplier for oil overseas and any conflict in the middle east is immediately going to jack up oil prices and we we've all seen gas prices shoot up in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. so what what happens if as this arab news article is saying what happens when all these nations form their own coalition that's u.s independent i mean yeah we lose our interest there right Maybe that's a reason for us to start cushioning up to Iran and flipping sides like we always right. do, like we've been talking about this entire yeah. episode. Everybody's been flipping sides in this whole thing. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's basically whoever has our best interests. It's right. like, I don't know, it's business. Yeah. It, it's the war business. Right. It's like um, this this company here that we get our um, our resources from isn't providing us anymore, so we're going yeah. to switch to their competitor, even though we've solely supported this this supplier for the X amount of years, and their competitor has always been that company. Well, since they're not fulfilling what we need or they're not meeting the prices we want, well, we're going to switch to their competitor, and that right. just seems kind of the way we've always played it, right. and all the other countries have played it, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. Where do we go from here? Well, What's going to happen? You know, the United States, you know, like we've talked about, you know, with, with the communist or the, the, you know, hardline, you know, Muslim extremist, they've always tried to to implement or support governments that are going to push back against those. Mm-hmm. And so my guess is, you know, they're going to look for the people that are going to to try to keep those hardliners out. Yeah. Um, You know, you know, maybe Biden is looking at it as, you know, hey, it's okay if they're they're extremist Muslim as long as they're they're peaceful that, towards us. That's their culture. That's right. their culture, man. Right. It's a cultural thing. Come on, right? man. That's their culture. But if you're Muslim and I don't know much about the, the sect of Muslim in China that's being persecuted against right. the sect in but I mean, I, you know, you would think there'd be some hard feelings towards China. You think, yeah, you know, um, I don't know. Maybe since China kind of backs Iran, and supposedly Biden has interests in China, maybe that's why he'd be cushioning up more to Iran. What gets me though is why why is Iran cushy with with 
these communist countries, you know, right. with with Russia, with with um, China, China, with Venezuela. Mm-hmm. You know, that just doesn't make sense. Cuba, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. I don't understand any of it, really. Like, I, 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 There's got to be some kind of financial gain to keep the, the Middle East unstable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's kind of been the plan forever is keep it unstable there because when have we gone in there in the name of democracy yeah and things have been better off i mean look at the middle east in like the 60s yeah. before all this stuff sparked off it was just like flourishing right and the country the middle eastern countries that we support they are like the yeah. uae is right is massive yeah look at dubai dubai is huge which interestingly enough saudi arabia came out and is trying to push against Dubai now hmm. because I had read a thing. This is completely off topic, but it is talking about Saudi Arabia. They basically said by 2030, I think, that any company that they are going to do business with has to have headquarters in Saudi Arabia. Oh. So they're trying to play economics against Dubai. They're trying to become the the power player, the economic right. power player that Dubai is right now. Huh. So. Uh, it's very interesting, and we saw, we had read that um, since Biden is taking a pause to look at our finance financial dealings with Saudi Arabia and UAE specifically, he's putting a pause on those. And some of the articles we read was saying that things won't really change much with the UAE, but they might change with Saudi Arabia. So it's right. almost like we're shifting away from Saudi Arabia right. and putting a lot of our backing on the UAE more. Yeah. And so there's something going on here. There's a power play going on here, a power st- struggle, which there always has been. Mm-hmm. But I, it's going to get ugly. It's not going to yeah. get pretty by any stretch. And I think yeah. the timing is what has me the most worried. Like the timing of the release of that video yeah. that came out today just happens after a couple days after we supposedly attacked Iranian militants in Syria. Yeah. It's like, I don't even, I can't even tell, like, speculate what side Biden's on right now. I know he wants to push this nuclear arms deal to pop back up. He's not willing to, he's not really budging, though. He's saying, you come to us. Like, he's basically saying, you go back to the restrictions we put on you in the nuclear deal before we release the restrictions. And Iran's basically like, screw you. You're the ones who backed out of it. Why would we, why would we have to show a hand, like, a step of good faith? When you, well, without you doing it. What if part of Biden's play is he's trying to get the, the Middle East kicked up as a hornet's nest? Yeah. Because that's where we're getting our oil from. Right. If oil prices get jacked way up, it gives more incentive to go green. I didn't even think about that. Holy shit, Bill. Yeah. You might have just uncovered this labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Yeah. I mean, oil prices spiked like 20 cents this week. Right? I mean, if gas prices are, you know, if you're looking at $5 a gallon. Again. Again, right? I mean, wouldn't it give more incentive to want to go towards electric cars and, and yeah. you know, carpooling and all that crap? I mean, it might be connected to that. Yeah. I don't know. Or it might just be like a power play to have more strategic interest in, in areas we want. Uh, mm-hmm. Putting the people in power that we want the same game we've been playing for forever. Forever, um, I don't know if if you have more insight. Like Justin had way more insight than we did on this whole thing. Yeah, um, we are not 
foreign policy experts by any stretch, especially Middle East. Not foreign yet, policy. but we're getting close. We are. We, we read a few <laughs> articles, so we are close to being the experts. We are going to get out of here for this week. Um, we're just basically talking about what's going on. We don't have like a resolution to this. Like a lot of times, we can wrap it up in a clean bow and be like, yeah. and that is why blah blah blah. Yeah. And this time, it's just like. I don't freaking know. Well, I don't it, know what's yeah. going on here. It, it, the situation is always changing. Again, you know, people change sides on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's hard to predict, you know, who is the, you know, who's wearing the mask. Yeah, you or, know. or what side we're actually going to take on exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he might take one side today and then the other side tomorrow. Right. We're going to get out of here. Uh, make sure to check us out on social media. If you join for this live um, episode and you enjoyed it, let us know. Give us some feedback because... We do intend to do this more in the future. We're not going to say that it's a regular thing just yet because um, we're just not necessarily there yet. And yeah. we want to make sure you guys enjoy it and are going to watch Absolutely. it before we put in the the effort it takes yeah. to give it to you live. Um, thanks to Justin for calling in. Um, next time, make sure you stick around long enough to call in because we do value your inputs, um, especially if you're smarter than us. And Absolutely. even if you're not smarter than us, that takes a lot to not be smarter than us, <laughs> I really. I say that's... That's saying a lot. Um, we value your input. Um, you guys are kind of the lifeblood of this whole program, so... And if we you want to talk to you. We do. We want to see that, like, actually see the faces yeah. or hear the voices uh, of our, the listeners. Our tagline is, never stop talking. We want to stop, We want to talk to you guys. Yeah, so next time, make sure you call in. We will, in the near future, be doing this more regularly. So if you liked it, let us know. If you hated it, let us know. Let us know, and we'll probably say, screw you, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's my show, damn it. Um, not really, but like I said, check us out all over social media. Um, leave a comment. Share us all around, because that's how we get around. Um, check out uh, Run Your Mouth Coffee, again, because it's delicious, and they support free speech at rymcoffee.com. Check out all our other sponsors. Um, we'll, we'll see you this weekend, full-staffed for the weekend wrap-up. Full-staffed. Um, check out Bill's first solo episode of the weekend wrap up that yeah. just released yesterday. Give me some feedback. Let me know. Yeah, let him let him know. And um, we did have some audio hiccups there, but we made it happen because yes. that's what we do. We make it happen. We're gonna get out again. We will catch you next time for the weekend wrap up, or we'll see you next week for the main episode. Um, once again, never stop talking. Peace. And yeah, never stop talking. Bye. The Break the Bell Podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and Justin. A shout out to our sponsors, Goulash Media. On the run with Remzo W. Martinez Podcast and Van Zot Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next time.